Street Fighters, how's it going? We are here tonight on Street Fight to take your calls. That's right, Sunday night call-in show. The number to dial is 614-655-3887. You can talk to us. Let's let us know what's going on in your world, at your job, in your quarantine, whatever it may be. We want to hear from the listeners of the show. Let us know what's going on. Uh, we are the number one anarcho-comedy radio show on any station across the nation. We've been doing it for 10 years now. And we desperately want to get back on the road so we can hang with people again and, and see all y'all in your shining glory uh, as we stand on the stage and look down at you and you laugh at us. One of my favorite things to do, and it's been a long time. Uh, also enjoy hanging out afterwards and just wasting time just pissing in the fucking wind it's the greatest our but, love bank needs filled up yeah That's we're not there really what's going on <laughs> we're close <laughs> we're close i'm ready i'm ready i'm ready yeah. but uh we're almost there and uh if you want to call the show once again the number one more time is 614-655-3887 it's the same number every single week so if you're listening to this on the podcast and you decide that you're a brewery person that wants to call in and, and give us the scoop on your experiences that number is the same every single week we're taking calls 9 p.m to midnight eastern standard time let us know what's up and if you want more of what we do uh we have the show on wednesday nights if you're a live stream person you like to watch us on twitch facebook twitter and youtube on wednesday nights around 11 o'clock at night we will go live for the basement show and right now on our bonus feed which pays the bills and keeps this whole thing rolling. And it's the reason we don't sell you mattresses or underwear is patreon.com slash street fight radio, where you can get access to so much bonus content just by putting your name on the dotted line there, get access to all the premium premium audio that we do, including the get motivated series, which uh, was really good this week. We just released the, Tony Robbins episode of Get Motivated uh, with Kath Barbadoro that was released on Friday. So get at it. Yeah, get at it. Get at that fucking thing. Yeah, I want to hear what you think. Yup. And this week we'll do one. I don't, we don't quite have it all figured out, but uh, it'll happen. You know, you always get a bonus show. Always get a bonus show. Man. What's going on? Keep talking. Oh, okay. Well, uh, uh, that's some professional shit I just did there. Um, over here. So, so man, I'm, I, I'm just talk. What were you going to say when I threw to you? (laughs) Nothing. I'm staying off Twitter tonight because I usually like to be on Twitter during the call-in show to see what's going on. I want to have my head in. The church of what's happening now, as they call it. You know what I mean? That's that's I've heard that said. So I like to know what's going on. So I'm just on Google News because I'm like, I don't know where else to fucking go. You know? Yeah. Um, don't have Facebook anymore. Don't really go on Instagram. So, uh, uh, God, this is this depressing story right here that I thought we had put an end to. Which one? This uh, Ohio college student in critical condition organs to be donated after alleged hazing incident. Like, man, that was a big story in like the early 2000s, late 90s, that hazing shit. And I like you always think they got rid of it, but you're like, they'll never get rid of hazing. It'll never be gone. Hazing will always exist. You know, I mean, we just talked about it on the Tony Robbins get motivated episode he does hazing 
Yeah, yeah. He, oh, ma- he makes people drink gross stuff. He calls them losers in front of the whole crowd. Uh, that's hazing. God, you know, and it's funny because the way I was back in back in you know my young days, uh, nine, you know, which was like ninety seven, ninety eight, ninety nine, two thousand. The, the big hazing stories would, would come out. And, you know, I was young and at a point where like I would be involved with maybe hazing. You know what I mean? Like that was, I didn't go to college at that time. So like I wasn't going to be getting into a fraternity, but like among my friends, my dirtbag friends, my dirtbag and criminal friends, we all sort of thought like, you know, hazing is stupid. You know what I mean? And I don't want to be in a frat if I have to get hazed. And I've always felt that way. Like, I just have always been like, I don't want to do nothing where I got to get haze. You know, I've talked to my brother. That's why I didn't join a gang. Uh, yeah. Remember, I've told the story about why I didn't join a gang. A kid in my ninth grade started a gang and he asked me to join and he said, we got to jump you in. And I was like, let me see how this gang plays out. You know what I mean? Like, I'm willing to take an ass whipping. But, like, this gang didn't even last through the first nine weeks of school. So I would have taken an ass whipping and then fucking the gang falls apart. And it's like, well, I'm not even in a gang anymore. I got beat up. I'm not even in a gang anymore. Right. You know? But this frat has better better outcomes in the gang. That's true. I mean, the fraternities do have good outcomes. And, like, I know somebody that went to school who joined a sorority. I don't know any fraternity people at all tom sexton from Trailblazers. tom okay i'd have to talk to tom about the fraternity then tom and rob I, I i do know tom and rob um but i don't quite know but i do understand that when you're 18 19 years old and you're going into college that a lot of people advise to join those things you know that that's like a part of the advice for going to college. Yeah, join a fraternity. You can get good jobs and you'll have brothers for the rest of your life. And it's like, but you got to like butt chug brews and stuff like that, man. And I don't want to fucking do that. Like, I don't want some guy yelling at me. It's why I didn't go into the military. I'm not built for organizations, I guess, is what I've learned. Sure. You know, like just any organization. Because I always saw orientation. I, I feel like I got hazed at the cable company. You know what I mean? I got hazed at the call center. They put me in something called the tank. And they were just like, yeah, you don't really know what you're doing, but you got to answer phones just to get used to it. You know what I mean? Like where it was like for the first like four weeks you worked in the call center, they put you in this thing called the tank. And it was like just really just another row of the call center. But a guy would walk up and down the row and like or a guy, a gal or a non-binary pal would walk up and down the row and you'd be like, hey, uh, this person saying this what do i do and shit like that and like trial by fire yeah or they would sit somebody next to you with a phone plugged into it and they would sit on the phone and they they'd sort of tell you what to do or sometimes they would even have me in there training people after a while i didn't like doing it though because it it was just like mm, i tell them to fuck off you know yeah. what i mean even though i would hang know. up hang up right now yeah, just hang up just, just pretend just pretend <clears throat> make a make a noise it sounds like you dropped the phone and then hang up but yeah and, and like I don't know, man. I don't, I'm just not built for it. Just yeah. not built for the hazing. To to to. to you got to risk it all it. to you get do. in those secret societies, man. If you want to, if you want to get adrenochrome, you're gonna have to do some fucking wild shit. Yeah, 
just sad, man. It sad is. Some 20 year old man. It was just like trying to do the right thing so that when he gets older, he can get a fucking job. You know what I mean? And, and like not have to struggle to pay his student loans back and shit like that. Now he's like dead. And it's just like, God damn it, man. He's just trying to impress his friends. I think those are the saddest deaths to me. The just trying to impress your friends deaths. You know, my saddest injury was a trying to impress a girl injury. I always think about it. I like, I've had several injuries, but breaking my wrist because I was trying to impress a girl was the saddest one of them all. Cause it was so desperate. You know what I mean? Yeah. It was one of those things that was like, this is desperation. It was a moonshot. Yeah. I just want this girl to think I'm hot. So I'm going to jump over this fence without touching it. Like I was going to do a move. I was going to jump on top of the fence and then do like kind of a jump a down pose, move, yeah. you know? And uh, my foot went underneath the, uh, my foot went underneath the pole. I flipped over and broke my wrist and had to walk home and, you know, trying not to cry because my friends were around me. So it's like, oh, I'm okay. I'm okay. But I broke my wrist. And, and to this day, like all the times I've hurt myself and broke a bone, I've broken a few bones in my day. That time is always the time where it's like just there was so much desperation in that, in that, you know, and I'm sure this kid would take that back. I, I'm sure this yeah. kid would take his death back, honestly. Like I he, hope. Yeah. Or he, I mean. Or maybe if we don't believe that, then we can just believe that they wanted it. Yeah. <laughs> just sad. I, it's just yeah. something that pops up in front of your face you when you're like, trying to avoid seeing pay-per-views results. Yeah. I you know? didn't. I guess I didn't need to know that. I know it's something that happens, but I guess I didn't need to know that, though. But yeah. Thanks for telling me something sad. Thanks, news. Thanks, the news. Well, I also have been reading about Andrew Cuomo. Yeah, that's a sad All weekend. Too. That's just like a whole story going on. This guy, he is something. But I I think something about this Andrew Cuomo thing that that really blows me away and that I can't stop thinking about is the rise and the fall. We talked about this a little bit on Get Motivated, but like top of the mountain, probably going to be president someday, probably going to be the man. Now is just like, everybody's like, you need to go the fuck away and don't be here anymore. <laughs> we do not like you, you know? And, uh, I mean, a lot of the people around us knew that a lot of the shit, a lot of the credit he was getting for COVID was disingenuous. You know what I mean? Like everybody kind of knew that we all knew that like it kind of kicked off in New York, New York, because they didn't lock it down quick enough. And, and that like the nursing homes were, were a mess there, but like, we he was still like the guy wrote a book dude the guy wrote a fucking book and was on tv every week and people were clapping for him and and they were just like howard stern oh he loved the guy he's trying to set him up with robin quivers and then tried to set him up with chelsea handler was like hey you know and now it's like i wouldn't even, you don't even want to talk to the fucking guy you know what i mean stay the fuck away from andrew cuomo he's a dangerous man yeah, I, I have to say I haven't been keeping up on that one, to be honest. I, I have to keep up on it. I subscribe to the New York Times. Ah, so. well, that was your mistake. Yeah, I subscribe to the New York Times, so I have to fucking keep track of stuff or I feel like I'm wasting my money. 
I I did listen to the Minion Death Call podcast where they talked about the comments of like all these Italian people saying like oh, no. that's just what you do when you're Italian. You make a journalist eat a hot dog in front of you. you yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. That's hey. how we are. Come on, Italians, you do better, Italians. I have uh, I do have something to share if you if you want to hear someone wrote in that isn't able to call into the show about their brewery j- job. Yeah, I want to hear that. This comes from Alexander. They said, "I don't think I'll have a chance to call in tomorrow, but I've got a super related personal situation for you. I work at a union themed craft beer bar. <laughs> the logo is two crossed hammers as a sickle and hammer reference." And there's heavy emphasis on never serving or carrying any beer that has any stake of large corporate beer in their company. Most of our regulars are all somewhat on the spectrum of the left with many far left leaders. The bar itself has a very strange power structure in that there is none. We all get paid the same wage, which is minimum, and Hmm. we all split tips evenly. We all work the same jobs. Everybody is cross-trained from kitchen to bar, and we switch it up as we go. It works out. It works really efficiently, they say. Only problem is we all get paid relatively low for our area. <laughs> yeah. Like, that's, yeah. You When you when you take on that, like, role of, of not making too much money, like, you're going to make the least amount of money. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah, found yeah. that personally from, from the show. <clears throat> Uh, only problem is we all get paid relatively low for our area. The bar itself isn't big and is purposely hidden away with no advertising or events or anything. Doesn't bring in money, but it maintains the cool vibe and good clientele. I wish it could make more money, but the owner takes home less than we do. <laughs> that's, I mean, that's, you know, that's a change of pace. And the asset value of the business itself is hardly anything. We all worked up there because we love the place, but it has its gripes. The money for sure and the horizontal power structure never has any meetings or compromises. It's mostly passive-aggressive moves that we all deal with unless it turns out to be a major issue. All right. So (laughs) it's a weird position. I helped open the place and have been there for five years. I would like more money, but I can't give up the leftist-adjacent dive bar, wear whatever I want, do whatever I want as long as it helps the company, and also say fuck capitalism and corporate beer while in a room full of people. Uh, That probably would have been more of a fun as a call instead, but here's the email. Thank you, Alexander, for calling in. That's wild, man. That is, yeah. Um, I think um, that's a hard situation. I mean, you can't put on any, like, events? Yeah, I would reach out. I would say that, like, if I'm being if I'm being unfair to what we do, courting the money of people that are at least sympathetic to your cause is a good idea. Like, you should at least try to do, like, a... A, a, a queer night or something. You should try to get some sort of music in there that is anti-establishment. I, I don't think that like it sounds like they're running like a fucking monastery. Yeah, courting like they money make, they, isn't they, wrong, either. right? For for a business, you could right. just you know try to make money would be nice. But I do, I do get the thing where it's like this is a leftist organization. We don't want to boss each other around. It's like horizontally organized, but it's also like, come on, you know, this is all somebody could do something here. Yeah, and and like this, all everything they're doing here is something that you could totally advertise. You could totally put it out there and say to people, "Hey, this is the type of establishment that we run. Please come hang out here." Um, like it, 
if the, if everyone's sharing the money, if 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 your owner is literally making the same amount as you, I think that you should push it. Like I'd run marketing, I'd run Facebook ads. I think that you've you've achieved the kind of relationship that sounds like something we preach all the time but you got to get more income that doesn't mean you should be anti-income you should you should want to make some money there's got to be money the 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 thing that leftist stuff always falls into is like well the money's not that important it's like well if you want to continue to have a bar then the money's going to be important that's going to be a part of the (laughs) steps there right but uh yeah, I mean and it's and it, it doesn't have to be if no, nobody has to like get into the 1%, but if you can get to 15 20 dollars an hour, no complaints. I don't think you've done anything wrong. I mean, I would I would do a show there. Yeah. You know? Hey. Yeah, absolutely. You know, when COVID's over, give us a call. We'll come in there and do a show. We'll bring in a few people. Watch it be in some place that like we couldn't draw anybody. <laughs> yeah. I just, I mean, it just, it's just weird to me because like, I think that a problem with a lot of work life is that if you try hard, you will not be rewarded for it. Right. Yeah. It, you have a salary and they want you to be at your salary or they want you to be at your hourly wage. If you go above and beyond, they don't give out like bonuses for stuff like that. This seems like a place where you can be truly rewarded for your effort, where if the whole crew gets together to establish like a base of people that want to perform and hang out there, you will all benefit from it. Yeah. 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 That's true too. If you're just splitting the money, I would be like, like you said, I would pay some money for a Facebook ad. Yeah. You know what I mean? Put some ads out, man. Do you have any, like if you're doing a leftist thing, it also feels like you have connections with local, some sort of local press. Yeah. Where you could get the word, that's where you get the word out really is like when we do like a Columbus Alive thing, that always draws a few people to the show because it's a local thing that people that are looking for local shit uh want to be involved in you know what i mean want to want to go to stuff so uh uh you know if we can even hook you up with a press person you know let us know because like that's that's the kind of shit where like if you went and gave an interview about how this place is run people would be like oh shit that's kind of neat i'll bet you there's fucking leftist people in town that don't even fucking know about it you know what i mean there's there's union there's union teachers in your town that go to a happy hour once a week that could easily move over to your organization and would love to do so. There's more of us than you think. I think that's like another thing that people fall into is thinking it's a really small thing. It's like, yeah, it's really small. Leftists that live their principles might be a, like a really small subsection of society. But you also have to think about people who consider themselves leftists that don't really live to the principles. That there are a lot of those people. And like, I'm not saying that's a bad thing. It's hard to live those principles if you're working a real fucking job. But it's just like, if you go into any building downtown, there's probably 200 fucking leftists in there. You know what I mean? Like, it just, people consider themselves, liberals consider themselves leftists. If you say this is a leftist space, then you will pull in a lot of people that you also have the chance to put literature in front of, that you have the chance to have conversations with. (laughs) It's like, that could become like a hub for the kind of activity that, like, you know, can make the town better for everybody. I mean, that was what I always pictured when, when I wanted to get us a space was kind of like, I just, I want to get a space that's a hub 
for activity in Columbus, like for revolutionary activity in my city, uh, where the DSA can meet, where, where all these people can meet. That's, I mean, you know, if you run a bar, that's where people want to meet, you know? So I, I, it sucks that it is like a thing where it's like, well, you know, I'm, I'm going to have to take on a lot of work and nobody else is going to probably, I mean, what it's going to be is somebody's going to have to take on a bunch of work and other people aren't going to help with it, but it's going to get done. You know what I mean? That's what it's going to take. Yeah. I feel, I, I feel like for me, like if, if I'm doing the math on this, this equation here, it sounds like you, you've, li- you've done five years of this. So you've been able to make it, make do with it, but you would like there to be more, which is a great place to be in because you can make more out of this. Like there's so much more to be made from, from what you've got going on here. And, uh, it, it probably is going to take somebody, maybe, I don't know. M- it's maybe, also, maybe they're too radical. Maybe they call you a sellout, but I, I really don't see a problem with people that are, are, are revolutionary minded making uh fucking $50,000 a year. I don't think that's a crime. I don't think it's a crime for people to make a hundred thousand dollars a year in a big city, uh, that also have our tendencies. Yeah. And it, it, again, as I'm saying, as I said, it's like, if money isn't the thing that is like drawing you in, if, if that's not it, then like, there is also a, a thing to be said for a place for people to organize. So, I mean, maybe you don't care about making 50000 $100,000 a year. Uh, I, I, I would think that if you're not making much money, you care about making money, though. I, I mean, it's just... That that is the I'm doing it for free is not something that a lot of people, especially working in restaurants, breweries, no. tap rooms, like they don't have the luxury of being like I don't do this for money. And uh, uh, you know, you can start saying you don't do stuff for money when you're making fifty, sixty, right. seventy thousand dollars a year. Then you can be like, oh, I don't do this for money. It's like, I mean, because you have it already. Yeah, I'm not saying that. I fucking do that. I do stuff for money. That's just the way it is. If somebody says they're going to give me money, I'm like, give me the money. If I don't have money, I'm in a lot of fucking trouble. I exactly. I don't, I'm not doing that TV show for free. I, I want to do the TV show. You know what I mean? I want to get the work done. I want, I want to, I want to have this cool thing. I ain't going to fucking do it for free though. Right. Just because I care and, and, and I want to do something, you know? And, uh, um, you know, I just think that like, I don't know. There is a, a world out there. I think <laughs> that people don't understand that there are a lot of people that lean to the left out there. They, they just think that that doesn't exist. That, yeah. that, that there isn't, there aren't a bunch of leftists. It's a, it's a small niche group of people, but yeah. I think you can draw a lot of people in like that. Yeah, I mean, I think it, it is in your interest. I think you should be trying to get people to spend their happy hour at your place instead of a Friday's. Yep. Especially if they're sympathetic to what you do. Yeah. Let's get some uh, phone phone call people. Phone action? A phone, phone or boner. Ooh. Katie last night said she was going to have some weed. And she was like, oh, I'm getting a stoner boner. And I was like, I don't like that at all. I haven't heard that. I haven't seen that hashtag. I've never heard stoner boner either. But now when you take weed, you say, I'm going to get a stoner boner. Yeah, I wake up every morning with some stoner boner. This is rock hard and ready to go. This is some good weed. I got a stoner boner. All right. Our our first call here is uh, from some 
established video makers and producers, the the guys behind Preserving Worlds on Means TV. Let me get it, see if I can get them both in here so that it makes sense. I'm nervous. Hey. Thanks for calling Street Fight. How's it going? What's your pronouns? Hey, hello. Um, yeah, this is Derek Murphy. I'm the writer and director of the series. My pronouns are he, him. Hey, I'm Mitchell Zemmel. I'm the editor, animator, cinematographer, uh, also he, him. What's hey, up, hey, what's up? Yeah, thanks for calling in. Um, so you, you both worked on the project Preserving Worlds together. Uh, wh when did that start? Yeah, so uh, Mitchell and I are both from the same hometown of Sarasota, Florida. Um, that's where we met. And uh, we made a feature film together called Sarasota Half in Dream that is also on Means TV. Um, we cut a scene from that because it had nothing to do with the rest of the film, made it into its own short that turned into the pilot for Preserving Worlds, and then we made that into a series for Means. So, yeah, that's kind of how it got going. That's right. Yeah, I guess we, we made the series itself uh, last year, like starting in May. Yeah, I'm looking at the I'm looking at the website. It's fucking really cool, and it takes me back to when I was working in a fucking call center. I spent all day on websites <laughs> that looked like this, and my Netscape Navigator, just looking at sites oh, that yeah. looked like this. <laughs> so yeah, I made this. So the website is preservingworld.net. I spent my whole uh, winter vacation making it because I tried to make it look like a '90s GeoCities kind of website, which uh, is harder to do today than it used to be because I had to make it mobile friendly. <laughs> yeah you have to turn off the anti-aliasing functions and all of that stuff um yeah so uh preserving worlds is a documentary series about digital digital communities and and like massively multiplayer games that that still have a community making things is, is that what it is yeah yeah I, so Oh, go ahead, Mitchell, yeah. Oh, <laughs> sure. Um, yeah, I mean, in my words, I would say that Preserving Worlds is about uh, old, defunct virtual spaces, um, you know, like after, like mostly game-based, um, and after the game has been out for a long time and population declines, oftentimes the creators behind the game, the developers, move on to other more lucrative projects um, and we tried to kind of look at what happens to the people who sort of build these connections with, you know, other humans uh, through this, uh, you know, uh, game or system that has started to become abandoned. And, um, you know, what becomes of them? How do they, you know, often, you know, band together to try and create the or, or perpetuate the system? Uh, keep the game alive. Um, yeah. Yeah, a lot of the times these games get abandoned by their uh, creators because they're no longer generating profit. So a lot of it we covered, like people making fan servers or finding ways to keep the game going even when the people who made it shut it down. Yeah, and, and you cover some that actually, I mean, I remember from when I was a kid, like like Mist and Doom. Um, you cover Neo Habitat, ZZT, World's Chat, and Second Life. Which I, I I also I remember you know dipping in and out of or, or having friends that were related to them at some point in my life, uh, but even like those old like memories of these things, uh, the way the documentary is done, 
there is just something that is awe-inspiring about it. I, I think that, like, you know that humans created this, and you know there's, like, a human spirit behind preserving all of this. So you sign into Mist Online, and, like, there's nobody is there, and you're just exploring these ancient digital ruin, ruins, but you know that um, th there was intention behind it. And, and that's, to me, what is, like, so captivating about the whole series is to see the way that like people persevere through this and and kind of um say like yeah i don't care if there's a new call of duty coming out i, I like this game i like wads on <laughs> doom i just want to play a new wad on doom uh mario the mario maker is kind of similar where you know th there's games that get made that are like impressive and and change the world and and then there are games that allow their users to change the world and that creates something far more interesting because humanity has is going to explore in a way that like developers could never foresee yeah i completely agree and that was <clears throat> something that kind of drove which games we uh, focused on was we focused entirely on games where like you said players can contribute uh something important to the world of that game like they can create a 3d space you can explore or they can create player organizations that help other people have a better experience in the game, or, you know, they can create their own levels or games using the game, like ZZT games. Um, yeah, it's really wonderful to see, like, hobbyist, like, amateur uh, creativity. Like, this is essentially like folk art. This is like regular people using these games to create their own art and share it with people that are on their same wavelength. It's really inspiring. Absolutely. Right. It's like it, it is interesting to think about, like, because the Internet is a place where you just kind of paste over the last. It's like wallpaper, basically. You just put up a new site, put up new sites, put up new sites. And especially now where it's like there's only really six websites left that people go to. I yeah. mean, I know there are a lot of places, but like going back and into these, these second lives and mist and stuff like that and looking at what was going on. I mean, it reminds me of what I was doing on the internet back in 2000, uh, 2001s. Like there are ruins out there. There is stuff out there that like people made and, and, you know, back in the day we would have had their books or their pamphlets or even like just their stories and uh, uh, it is cool to index that stuff so that we can see what people were doing. And it is also very cool to see that that like Second Life still has a following that people still exist. You know, I was on Twitter uh, and following a guy that was way into Second Life. And when it closed down, it seemed pretty devastating to that dude. He was a guy that was, you know, home a lot. He wasn't like able to get out. He's an older guy. And, uh, 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 it, it was sort of devastating when second life went away. And, uh, it's good to see that like people did end up dragging, carrying it on in some way. I, I, can you still play these games? Some of them? Yeah. yeah they're all, all of them. Oh, sorry. No, go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> um, go. yeah, they're, they're all still, uh, active. Yeah. You can, you can access all of them. Um, I mean, besides the world's chat episode, which we recorded six years ago, these were all sort of like, uh, you know, live investigations into the game from, uh, yeah, like mid 2020. Um, so, you know, some of them have come back 
from the dead in some ways, like with the Neo Habitat episode, that was a game that was only briefly around in the 80s. Um, and then kind of some other games came out of it, but uh, it has been recreated by this uh, museum's archival effort to create like a living exhibit uh, where you can explore it. Um, then the that's, other games, yeah, neat. Mist Online has a couple of different servers. Um, yeah, there's there's a surprising amount of activity in a lot of these games, and it's all, um, or it, it's in some combination of, new users who are coming to this older thing and appreciating it uh, in sort of this nostalgic way and uh, longtime users who were around in its heyday and have continued to keep the community going, uh, which is a really awesome sight to see. Yeah, that's real fucking cool. It, it like really reminds me because we, in my family, we were really early to the internet uh, to bbs's actually before even you mm -hmm. you like law you you like dialed into a bbs and you were part of a forum and you know we would just go on and trash talk and troll it was like uh uh we were terrible bbs members but like uh, uh all that shit's gone and like i would even be i would love to go back and look through i would love to be able to go back and look through some like aol chats and shit just to see what was going on because it, it is going to be hard to index that kind of history the the online history and, and it is cool that you guys are are trying to index a piece of it you know i spent so much time on message boards back in the early 2000s mid 2000s that that like i i don't know it, it's it's like the internet is so different now it's so down it, it is really facebook instagram twitter and uh i'm probably missing one snapchat tiktok i guess it is like that's where people go people People just log into like one thing. And I even remember early on in the internet where people would be like, don't get America online because you get stuck in the America online thing. And you're like, well, now everybody's stuck in less than the America online thing. <laughs> yeah, it's true. The internet really has changed in a, and in many ways for the worse. Like I do really miss that wild west feeling of exploration. Like anything could happen. You could come across anything online. You're not just on a couple of platforms made by Silicon Valley, like mega corporations, right? Right. So it is, it is sad where things have come to, but yeah, we tried to find some of those pockets of the old internet that still survive. And, uh, you know, you're talking about indexing and preserving, like that is a big part of the series is we really did want to create like this documentation and these records of like what it's like today, what it used to be like, you know, because this is very ephemeral stuff. Like a lot of these games could shut down at any time and it's going to be important to be able to remember like what it was like, what they meant to people. I think it's going to be very interesting to, you know, the historical record. So we did try and do that with the series. We wanted to entertain people, but we also were doing kind of that archival effort. It's good. It, it really is good to, to, to do the archival stuff. I mean, it, it's like, uh, uh, People are going to want to see this stuff. I think, I think we're really going to regret how much of this we've let go that is just gone forever. I, I think mm -hmm. we're really going to regret that in 50 years. You know, I don't think people knew how the internet was going to be. I, I don't think people understood like 
to be able to go through the different phases of the internet would be really nice. Like rings on a tree almost. It would be really great yeah. if you can do that. And, and I, I, you know, uh, people like you are, 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 are like trying to preserve some of that, you know, where, where we can look at what it looked like then. And that, that's really great. Uh, uh, it's just like you used to go online and you would like, I used to go online every day and I go to like four websites. Uh, one of them was just a Deftones message board. And I would spend like hours and hours and hours just talking about the Deftones or talking about something I saw on mm -hmm. TV with Deftones fans, you know, <laughs> and like those highly, oh, yeah. those highly specialized corners of the internet are pretty much gone now. <laughs> And, and and we're all mixed together and and you know probably for the worse really mm. what do you mean yeah i think so i, I mean would, i think that's I why would, we all fight is we're all mixed together now yeah i wouldn't draw a conclusion that is for the worst i i, I don't i don't believe in preserving the past as like an inherently good thing either i think that like these communities are rabid because the game is great and because the community they've built is great but the rest of the stuff that fell to the wayside did so because it wasn't important i feel like it's a matter of like the if a tree falls in the forest and no one hears it doesn't make a sound type thing and that these are the folks that are still ringing the bell that when you go to mist online nowadays there is a welcoming committee that says, welcome to Miss Online. Please explore all of the world that we've built. And you can go through it as like a museum in a way of, of what the past was. And, and Doom is the same way where it's people love first person shooters. And this may have been the best one ever made. You know, some people think that like Doom was it and they'll just wait for like the next thing to come out. <laughs> and and I think that um, I, I think that's what to me is you you find out what people really cherish you hold you find out what people hold dear once you get you know away from it to to see how much they want to keep this thing going and how important it was to them because the rest of the the forum junk probably was just that which is junk like there was no reason to keep a lot of it sure from an archivist point of view it is true that you have to do triage like you, you know you can't preserve everything like some things you have to leave out of your archives, right? So it is true that, you know, I guess you want stuff that's representative or stuff that's important to a historical record or will be of value to researchers in the future, just to people in general. I don't know. Yeah, it is true. Yeah, you got to pay attention to what matters in the long term. Yeah. And I would, I would just add, um, not that I have professional experience with this like Derek, um, <laughs> Derek, uh, for those who don't know, does library and archival work um, outside of making films with me. I'm just an animator. Uh, but the thing that interests me personally uh, about those kinds of um, like niche corners of the internet, you know, the BBS forms and stuff, is it represents for a lot of people like a way of living and a way of interacting with the world that was only around for a very short period of time. Mm -hmm. uh, and there's something interesting to me about, like, this is how people used to, like, interact with each other, and this is how people connected with other people that were not in their immediate, you know, physical space. Uh, and there was a lot of, like, negative behavior, especially on the earlier Internet, uh, some trolling and <laughs> griefing and stuff. Um, but it's, it's very interesting to me just, like, how this is, like, 
the super new form of communication and this is the the medium through which we exchanged our messages absolutely yeah and and it's the these you are you have an interesting point there in that like all of these things probably meant probably represent like an 18 month flash in the pan like we could probably talk about like when they started to when they got hugely popular and, and were the zeitgeist until people forgot about them. And, and then you have these people that are left over. Um, but, but it is like, it is a, it's a frozen moment in time um, when this game was really taking over the, the attention of, of, of a lot of people that were gaming, you know, in that era. Mm-mm-mm. Yeah. 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 Yeah, it's cool. I did not know any of this stuff was I did not know any of this stuff was going on. So it's very cool that you brought that to our attention. You can watch it free. It's free on Means TV. I will be watching it. If you go to Means TV, search Means TV Preserving Worlds, you can watch it for free. I I highly recommend it. I I really enjoyed it. I'm I'm glad you were able to call in. Was there anything we missed? I think think that covered things. Yeah, uh, <laughs> thank you, everyone. Uh, thank you for having us on, you guys. Uh, yeah, and, thank uh, you. Yeah, the show is free on Means TV, and then if you subscribe, there's some bonus episodes that you can check out that are Mitchell and I kind of exploring the games, kind of returning and like kind of improvise, like just finding stuff. They're pretty fun. Yeah, that's great. Um, the only the only other thing I have to add. Uh, is just on a personal note, I am also anti fraternity, but that's a very personal take. That I'm <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I yeah. It. I mean, I'm I, with you too. So am I. I was always that way. It's so weird that that it's so weird how you can live in different worlds from uh, uh, other people. Where it's like some people feel like they have to join a fraternity when they get out, and then some people are vehemently anti it without any without needing anyone to tell you to be anti it. <laughs> It's also crazy that we like give like 18 year olds this like seemingly kind of important decision to make. <laughs> like, what side of the line are you on? Yeah, yeah, it's like it's yeah, and it's like uh, yeah. Let's tell this child. Let's try to get this child to give in to peer pressure, but not enough to die. Yeah, like, how do you do that? Yeah, yeah. You let them I mean, on their it- own, and they're supposed to fucking drink water in a basement while they're chained to the fucking floor until they get water poisoned. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's exactly the thing is it's like 18 year olds should not. I mean, this sounds stupid to say now, but 18 year olds should not be uh, uh, binge drinking or forcing other 18 year olds to binge drink because they haven't been taught how to drink and uh, don't know what their limits are. So if 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 these kids are joining fraternities, it's like, motherfucker, you know, like at least just like do i mean fucking slap each other in the dick or something like that i don't know what the fuck else you could do but the drinking and stuff is bad <laughs> you know yeah, do mushy cookie instead of drinking. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I, I don't know kick each other into nuts i don't fucking know what it would be but like poisoning each other is not the best way to haze your friends into a group i do i do wish in america that like it was okay to teach your your teenage kid how to drink like I, I I know that sounds like very backwards and stuff, but like in other countries when they're like 14, 15, 16, you know, you give them a little here, you give them a little there and they learn like they they sort of start to learn their limits and, and what they can do and, and, they, and they don't go fucking crazy. I, I once when I was driving for Lyft, 
uh, I had this guy from like Lebanon in my car. And uh, he was talking to me about he had moved to Ohio State University campus. He moved right across the street from where they play the football games and in the building by where they they tailgate. And he said he, he could not believe the first weekend of a football game because people were just laying down on the ground out in front of his place and like throwing up and shit like that. And he was just like, it just doesn't happen where I'm from. It's like. You know, we drink a couple beers every now and then with our parents when we're like 15, 16, 17. There isn't like this hard age where we like ha where we're supposed to just go crazy. And uh, uh, it, it that really affected me and changed me and was like, yeah, you know, that does make a lot of sense. Definitely. Have a nice night, guys. Thanks for calling in. <laughs> Yeah, thanks for having yeah, us. Yeah, thank you Have for having us. Yeah, you're so, where, where's where's night. the Twitter? Where where can people follow along with what you're doing after after now? Oh yeah, sure. Um, well, I'm on Twitter at uh, Derek L Murphy, uh, so you can follow me there. I don't tweet that much, but follow me anyway. Why not? We'll tweet more. Okay. <laughs> and uh, I'm at Mitchell Zemmel on Twitter, and I tweet way too much, so kind of evens out good balance cool cool yeah you gotta have one that tweets all the time and one that doesn't tweet too much that's our that's our thing too yeah it's important have Thanks a good night boys in. appreciate it yeah thank you good night yeah it, it it is really good like i'm you know i i am involved with means tv stuff and talked to nick and naomi but it was one where like i woke up in the morning i put the first episode of preserving worlds on and erica was making breakfast and i'm like i'm gonna watch this until it's done like don't bother me. I'm going to watch it all the way through. It's just from jump because they, there's no humans involved. That's what I like about it is that all of the dialogue is done through text boxes at the bottom and it's all like 32 bit fucking architecture. So you're watching it and you're totally engrossed in these old school worlds. And like I said, it feels like looking at aliens. It feels like looking at like these ancient ruins that people built that they spent hours of their time, you know, like they were, they happened, but now nobody's there. Yeah. Yeah. I thought second life was totally gone. Cause I, I had seen somebody really mourning that site one day and I was like, Oh, that's kind of sad if that was like their thing, you know? <laughs> yeah. It's unfortunate though, that like if communism happens, we're going to shut down Facebook and Twitter and make everybody go to mist online, but that's just the way it's going to happen. Yeah. So, yeah. Sorry. Or second life. You got to chip in on second life and do something worthwhile there. Um, you can be like a bee or a bug or something like that. Oh God. I ended up on Twitter. See? All right. Thanks for calling street fight. What are your pronouns tonight? Hey guys, Hello. Chip from New York. What's up? How's it going? Oh, you know, it's going, guys. Um, I'm first time, long time. Life's been pretty boring for a while, but things got kind of crazy the last month, and I wanted to uh, kind of give you a little rundown. It's got kind of a little of everything, but I'll try to keep it short. Cool. Go for it. Things have gotten crazy, All right. and they're going to keep getting yeah. crazier. I saw a guy in a cape today. <laughs> that's neat well i wish i saw a guy that would have been tight actually i was kind of um, like i was kind of yeah. like this guy's feeling too comfortable uh you know this, this yeah. is what happens when we're locked in our house for a year nobody said you look stupid to the guy and now he's out in the yeah. cape it's like come on man you know <laughs> reel it back a he's little very okay. yeah okay. <laughs> act like you've been outside uh, before <laughs> like an oliver twist yeah. cape or like a superman cape <laughs> 
like a <laughs> yeah, like a fancy cape, like a black fancy, like cape. a wool cape, like George Costanza had when George Costanza had the cape, hey. or not George Costanza, uh, Larry David had the cape, but it was just like a cape with, and it was tied in the front, and I was just like, "What are you doing, man? I'm here caping. Don't wear a cape, you know." <laughs> Feeling himself. Yeah, he was. I can't. I don't want to be mean to him. I just don't. I, I'm not. I'm more understanding than most people. You know, not enough. Not enough. I guess because there's. I'm sure there were some people who like wanted to trip him for wearing the cape. I was just like, oh, I can't believe you're wearing a cape. <laughs> What's up? What's going on tonight? All right. So uh, I've been a teacher for the last uh, seven years. Um, and I met this girl about five and a half years ago and we hit it off great. We met some mutual friends, but we lived about an hour apart. We did a long distance thing for two and a half years. Uh, we were both super busy, super duper busy. And so like every weekend we would make time for ourselves. She had two young children. She had to have custody of, I was a teacher. She, uh, worked with people with disabilities, you know, very demanding jobs. Uh-huh. Um, we moved in together about uh, two and a half years ago, and the kids obviously came along, and things went really well, honestly, for years. And then the pandemic happened. Um, of course, that changed my gig. That changed her gig a lot, lot. Uh, she worked in a residential setting. Yeah. And um, so I decided I was going to get out of teaching about a year and a half ago. Uh, we talked about it. We discussed it. And I started saving money the minute I met this girl. Um, and I had a bunch of money saved. We were going to look for an apartment, then a house in a different town because we got a, a place kind of halfway in between where we, where we uh, worked. Uh-huh. And long story short, she dumped me on Valentine's Day via <sighs> text. Um, <sighs> and told I- me she... Wasn't sure if she was going to let me see the boys again. And the reason being, she got bored. Uh, We had COVID together together in January, right? The whole family got it. Um, And she said, you know, February 14th, she said, you know, I just don't feel the passion anymore. I'm bored. We don't do anything spontaneous. You know, of course, because for the last 11 months, it's been impossible um and so i'm in this weird spot where she's moved out i have a bunch of money in the bank i have no job i can't travel and i've also been a drinker for the last 15 years so the get motivated part comes in where my friend who is a substance abuse counselor uh convinced me he said you know are you on medication for depression i am he said, give it seven days, zero alcohol, work out every day. If you want to drink on the eighth day, just, you know, it's okay. Just give, give it seven days. And I did. And on the eighth day, I felt fantastic. I've been working out every single day. Um, it's now been, I think, 18 days or 19 days, and I've been working out every single day. I look fantastic. I feel fantastic. And what he convinced me was that I was giving the medication a chance to work by taking away that depressant drug from my lifestyle. Uh-huh. He was like, just see if it works. Um, and I'm not saying that this would work for everybody. I was in a really weird situation 
but I was able to break this loop of behavior um, in such a dramatic way while still, you know, preserving some level of respect between us. You know, I didn't like show my ass and, and call her at two in the morning and, you know, drunkenly or something like that. And uh, I think she's kind of kicking herself right now. Um, and I, I, I guess it's kind of a redemption story because I do have my shit together. Uh, That's great. And it's just been a dramatic couple of weeks. So with that whole Get Motivated series, you know, I just kind of wanted to let people know, like, even in the darkest moments of your life, uh, you can definitely work on shit. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that, that I, uh, that is an unbelievable story. I mean, my, well, do- I, not really. I mean, I would say that my relationship is doing the best. I don't think that like being home all the time and strengthened like our, our relationship. It, it, it's, it's, no, been, no. it's a test. To like not be doing the regular daily grind and having to be around your partner and your family and all those people all the time, um, you know. Yeah, I mean, you were willing to sign up for it, but she if she jumped ship on you, I think that's probably a good indicator, you know, because you kind of want somebody that's going to ride it out through a fucking pandemic. I mean, you know, I, I can say like, oh yeah. My relationship has not been spontaneous at all either, but I know why. It's because we're both deathly afraid of fucking coronavirus. So that's not really like, yeah, we, we can't use that as an excuse. Um, but I, I I'm think gl- she's got undiagnosed uh, depression as well that she's not dealing with. And that's the thing that, you know, I'm working on it and she is absolutely not. Um, yeah, I mean, you know what? There, I mean, there's plenty of other people to get into a relationship with. And it sounds oh, yeah. like it sounds like you're in a good spot. And uh, you know, I felt like before I met my wife, one of my my biggest uh, one of, one of the things I required was that like I feel whole as a person because I didn't want to be codependent and I didn't want to shack up with somebody that is not trying to be their best self. You know, because I've been in relationships before where you try to do better, you try to change who you are, you try to have a happier attitude, and the other person is like, I don't like this, it's not what I'm used to. Like, they find ways to smack you down from getting up. So I think that it is, I think it's a solo mission. I think that, like, when you have these breaks in relationships, it's a solo mission to figure out who you are, what's your foundational values, what brings you happiness, you know, like, what are your good habits? We talked about it on the Tony Robbins thing, like, the working out every day. You know, that's something to say. If anybody isn't going to put up with you taking an hour to yourself every single day working out, then, like, you don't want to be in a relationship with them, especially if they're okay if you drink mm-hmm. six beers every night, you know? <laughs> yeah. So. Uh, oh, I, I wasn't working out when I was drinking the six beers. Right, that's right. Of thing, course. You know? Yeah, that's. No, I understand that. That's what I'm saying is, like, the good habits are the ones that, like, no one should. Everyone should get out of your way. Like, I'm about to do a good habit. And it's like, yeah. woo! Yeah. Yay. Like, please help me. I mean, that is, you know, when you you do say it like that, it's like with in my relationship, even it's like, I've never been told, like, don't try this thing. You know what I mean? Like in, in 20 years, I've never been told like, Hey, don't try this. It's always like, if you think that's going to fucking fulfill you do it. Right. You know what I mean? And like, uh, 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 
you know, I, I feel very lucky. I don't, I don't even know what it would be like to have somebody that wasn't encouraging you to fully fulfill yourself. You know what I mean? And like, uh, um, um, you'll, there, there is that person out there that is like, that is just, that is only interested. I mean, not only interested, it it makes it sound like they are going to worship you. What I'm saying is it's, there is that person out there that wants to facilitate you being the best you, you can be, and that you want to facilitate them being the best them that they can be like. There is, there's always that person out there. And like, it sounds like you've got a handle on who you want to be now. And that like, you know, as hard as it probably is to, to sort of move on, it is one of those things when you said like, I, I think she's kind of eating her heart out or whatever, like, because you're doing better. It's like, listen, things, I do so many things for that reason. And, you know, I, I have told my therapist about it. And like the, one of the things he said to me that really fucking changed me as a person was like, it's like, not that bad. And, and to do something out of spite to succeed out of spite. Yes. He, he basically explained to me, like, that can't be everything. Right. Yeah. And he said, like, he said, like, you know, things that you do out of spite in the end, like, aren't spiteful. It's like, I graduated college out of spite to people saying I couldn't do it. So I went and did it and got good grades. But in the end, I got a degree and I got good grades. And like, now it's not something I did out of spite. Now it's something I did because it, it, it sort of around, it it made me want to be smarter. It made me want to be better. It proved to me that I could do stuff. Well, you also established working habits to get things done as well. Like it upgraded you in ways that beyond the spite was like the inspiration to do it, but that's the least of what you gained from it. Well, yeah. And my, my buddy told me, he's like, if you're doing this for her, like, forget it. You're not, it's not going to last. Right. Um, so you need to do this for you. And that was the goal from the beginning and the benefit to me personally, it has, you know, melted away a lot of my anxiety. I went to yoga on Friday. I'm doing jujitsu next week. Um, I'm doing things I literally never would have done. It's crazy. Gotcha. Uh, it has really changed me in a lot of ways. And I'm, I promise I'm not in a manic episode or anything. I'm, I got my feet on the ground. Yeah, here. You, sound, um, yeah you sound together. But, but it is, yeah, it, I it's think, uh, the hardest. The- need some hopeful right now. Yes. And, and thank you for that. And I think that the 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 get motivated the 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 um the financial people are full of shit, um. But but what the other ones yeah. are trying to get across, which is the idea, is that there can't be change until there's change. You know, like you you can't mm-hmm. you you can't live your same life but have it be a little bit better, because the way you're living yeah, and your I went life, back on medication. yeah, it's you're going to hit so. that plateau every single time if you wake up living the day the same way that you did before that didn't bring you happiness for sure. So until you try a, a radical approach until you switch things up and decide I'm a happy person that does these things that does these hap that does, you know, work, works out, drinks my water, takes my vitamins, does these, these proactive things. Like you're not going to get it there. There's no way to, to cheat your way or think your way to it. It's just a matter of, of building these good habits. So I'm glad that's working for you. Thank you guys. And uh, thanks for all you do. I love the mini series and uh, 
Also, I don't like Andrew Cuomo, and I don't like fraternities. So just want yeah. to get that on the record. They're both bad. Yeah, <laughs> I agree with you. Have a good yeah. night. You bum, too. Bum, yeah, thanks for calling. Bum, 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 bum. Bye, guys. Peace. That's great. Good to hear. It's good. That's stuff I like to hear. I like people, you know, deciding to work on themselves and it's working for them. You know, yeah. I had a period where I decided to work on myself and it worked for me. And I feel good about that part of my life, right. you know, because you need another one. <laughs> I do. I do need another one. I'm really bad. I need to work on myself. Uh, let's see who's next here. Let's see her. Thanks for calling Street Fight. Who are we talking to tonight? What's your pronouns? Hey, I'm Alex. He, him. What's How's up, going, guys? What's up, Alex? How's it going? Oh, going pretty good. Glad I was able to uh, get on the line after uh, you read my whole tale at the uh, beginning of this show here. <laughs> oh, no. Sorry, buddy. Well, I do want to hear said it, you though. weren't able to call I in. I want to hear it from the horse's mouth, though. The employee's mouth here. Uh, uh, for those that just tuned in, we talked about a, a sort of union-themed brewery. Uh, I, I have questions, though. Why aren't there events there? I mean, currently we know why there yeah. aren't events there. But you know what I mean? Why don't y'all do events? It's mostly the uh, the owner. That's so weird because it's a, like a union theme going on, but the owner has you know the end all be all say, but there's horizontal underneath him, and his whole idea is that he wants a very relaxed, talkable kind of environment where like no TVs, no live music, really, just the place where you can always go to and know that it's going to be know what to expect really i gotta tell you that's a really bad idea and and <laughs> here's here's why <laughs> no, i i just i don't think it's i don't think it's the worst idea it is like but here's the thing i would love that place i would love a place where i could sit down and have a conversation with my friends and we can hear each other talk and we're all kind of circulating and we're talking to other people in the bar and this whole thing's going on. Like, I do agree with the owner that that vibe is cool, but that vibe is not a bar. It's bad for business. Yeah. It's terrible for business. <laughs> That's just not a bar. No one wants that from a bar. And people don't want people. If you hear people at the bar while you're talking to them, you'll just leave. You'll straight up fucking leave if you could hear them clearly. Yeah. It, the, the problem is that nobody wants anybody else to hear hear them talking i learned this from doing a fucking live gigs i learned this from that it, it's because when we you when we first started out we weren't drawing that great sometimes you know we go to a town and we draw 20 people and if you draw 20 people not one of those 20 people wants to be caught laughing so nobody laughs right that is like the way that it fucking works and when you're in a place where the person at the bar can hear you at your table. You will not talk because you don't want them to hear you because you think that they're judging and, and they're probably not. And they're probably not listening to you. But to be completely honest, they probably are listening to you. I have the hardest time going out to dinner with my wife because I want to hear everybody else's conversation. So I like don't talk. You know what I mean? And it's just, I don't know if that works for a bar. Is there any music playing at all? 
Yeah, it's at a, a decent volume. It's mostly the, uh, the TVs and shows, but it's okay. low enough where there's this kind of phenomenon he's trying to create where being able to hear people, it leads to this interactive conversation where it's rarely, well, up until now, back in the uh, before time, yeah, yeah, yeah. rarely people like sitting at tables. It just kind of would all naturally congregate together into like large groups, okay. which is always kind of interesting. Yeah, that's fun. If it I, worked at a time, it may work again. You know what I mean? Like when, when shit gets back to normal, who knows? I do have kind of a theory that when shit gets back to normal, we might mix a little more for at least a year or so. You know, we might be little less closed off in our groups when we go out. You know, that's my it, hope. And and I, I do feel like that's a good possibility. Here, The only thing that I'm hearing from this is like, don't be picky about how you make your money. Like, don't <laughs> complain that you make you didn't make your money the right way. Like, if you're trying to make money and everybody here shows up to do a fucking shift, we need to make sure that everybody, everybody makes the max amount of money. That's right. I think that's the camaraderie, is that we should run a place that is great to be where we all run home with fistfuls of cash from fucking comrades. I don't know why this has to be low key and unassuming and a popper's lifestyle. Also to me and, and Alex, I don't know. You can, you can agree or disagree with this. To me, it feels like the vibe you want could exist up until eight. And then you could have a event. You know what I mean? Like where it's like, or Maybe an event at that place takes on a different thing where people are, where you sort of have somebody leading the conversation in the room. You, you get a stage, you get a PA, you get somebody up there sort of leading the conversation at eight or nine o'clock and you advertise what that conversation's going to be in advance so people know like, hey, we're having this fucking night, you know, we're going to, I don't know, read fucking poems we wrote in school or we're going to fucking talk about communism or we're going to we're going to write a new constitution or something like that like have somebody leading have like High that kind fight. of thing well yeah i mean that's what we do live I, I that was just my that was like my suggestion something that even not what we do live necessarily because what we do live is more me and brett talking for most of the time i'm saying like somehow Somebody's like a conversation DJ MC. up on stage where it's just like, what's going on? And everybody kind of talks about something. I think that could work too. That'd but like you could, gig. what? That'd be such a good gig. Oh, you yeah. show up to the bar and just hang out for two hours with a mic and just talk to people. Yeah. I mean, you don't even have to have, you could just be like, tonight we're talking about this and kind of have a whole thing going yeah. on in the room. But you could do like, you could have the vibe that he wants up until eight, nine o'clock, you know, and then you could draw more people and everybody can make money. <laughs> it's actually a, a good pivot point because one of the weird things as far as being like a self-described leftist for the boss, all the employees are in the same level. And so there's a bunch of things that we want to do, like events. We have like, there's an old stage in the bar that is currently oh. unused. That's, oh, uh, that's a shame. That's a goddamn shame. That's painful to me to even think about. You could have bands in there just fucking rocking it out. And like it wouldn't again, wouldn't ruin the vibe. We only do it at nine or ten. You know what I mean? That's uh, just people want to party after a certain amount of time. So, so how does the I mean, does the rest of the staff feel like they would rather have more money? 
Oh, uh, everybody's just about in on that. I mean, we all really like the job. It's a, uh, as far as serving positions go, it's decent money. I'm out on the West Coast, so we average about 25 an hour after uh, tips. So we're all surviving. Yeah. That is... But I know we could all definitely go with a little uh, a little more. It's just a problem of being able to... Because uh, there's not much more we can take from the uh, the boss himself. I mentioned in the, uh, the original one that he pays himself out like 30 grand a year. And we don't have hardly any assets tied up in the bar or anything. But bringing more people in is the the end goal amongst the staff at the end of the day. Yeah, yeah. It, it's going to take a change. It, it, it's like... You don't want John Taffer to come in there and change everything, but it's going to take a, a different philosophy, I think, to get people to come in. Like, it's going to take something. People want want their night handed to them, I guess, in, in, in a way. Like, they want to know what they're getting when they show up at the place, in my opinion. Like, I want to know when I go to a bar at night, Unless I'm going to a dive or something like that, or, or I'm just going to hang out with my friends. I do want to know what's going on there. I don't just, cause I don't, I don't really drink. So I guess if you're going there just to drink, but if you show up in there and the music's real quiet, you might just turn around and leave on a Friday night because that's like not what people are asking for. That's the problem. It seems like I understand the concept and I think the concept's fucking awesome, but I'm also don't drink. So I would make you zero dollars if I came into the place. I don't know. There's just something about the organization that sounds like loser Democrat style where you're not trying to be successful. But I think that like leftists should try to be successful. Like we have to be so successful that we win. I don't think that you should take a loser position or or not try to be like a big deal. We want this to be a big deal. We want everybody in. We want everybody to join in on this experiment here. So I don't I don't see the idea of like gatekeeping or, or whatever it is that prevents people from coming in. I, I, I would try to make it a popular thing. Yeah, we will help you. You just if you want me and Brett sometime in July or August to come in and bar rescue Chris in the stage, we'll come in there and bar rescue. You know, we'll come in there and be like, hey, you know, talk to your owner like, hey, you know, I love the idea. I love the idea. And then Brett will be like, I don't love the idea. And I'll be like, here's the difference between me and Brett. I don't drink. So I wouldn't make you a dime. Brett would make you a bunch of money because he drinks. (laughs) (laughs) It is tough, though. It is tough to do a leftist thing. You, You do want to. You do want to live up to some sort of thing, but like in order for it to be successful, in order for it to carry, carry through, in order for it to just exist, this space to exist, it has to be somewhat successful, you know? And that's, that's what we're shooting for. It's like an order, even just making it so your boss is making enough money that he's not going to just one day be like, fuck this. I can't do this anymore. I need money like that, that to me would be even like come on man we got to change something is he just kind of a hippie type cuz it sounds it sounds like you work for a hippie to me he's definitely the uh he's actually old school punk more than uh than hippie okay. oh and he- his whole thing is he actively has said to He's like, I want only a certain crowd in here. Oh, he's yeah. Like, I want people that wouldn't fit this vibe to not come in, which I get it, but I don't necessarily like it. 
Oh, that's painful. Yeah, it's like a personal vendetta against the like socias. Against <laughs> normies. Against yeah. It's anti-normie. It, it is like, oh, if some fucking normal person came in here, they would probably like say they like Joe Biden. And it's like, yeah, but we can like all talk to that person and like engage them in their ideas and stuff like that. I mean, you charge don't charge them six dollars like, for a beer. Yeah, and and believe me, you're not gonna get right wing people walking into a place with like you know, hammers and sickles and stuff like and old punks. So you're you're gonna be okay in that department. But I, I know the type. It just feels like, you know, hey man, you know, we gotta keep our uh I've seen this in Bar Rescue so much. That's the thing. It's like I've watched I I once I you should if you've never watched Bar Rescue, there's an episode about this place in Chicago. And this artist lady was running it and it had a stage, but she was doing this weird stuff on the stage and she just wouldn't listen to the guy. And her son was like, Hey, we got to change this place into something. It can still have live music, but it can't be you up there in a diaper pounding on the fucking, you know, piano and screaming and rolling around and like making people sing with you and shit like that while they're trying to relax. Like we need to do something new. We can't sell yeah. frozen pizzas here because they were doing frozen pizzas and shit. And Taffer comes in there and she's just like, I'm not going to do any of that stuff. This is an artistic institution. You know, this, this, this is like, we want this clientele that comes in and he's just like, but you're like not getting clientele. That's the fucking thing. Is like, you're. <laughs> it's funny if you have all the money in the world to to turn people away. But yeah. if this is everyone's job. We need to get everybody that we can in this place. Yeah, and it, it again. I think his fears about the type of people if normies came in there. I think his fears are like totally unfounded because like people know when they're welcome and when they're not welcome yeah. when they walk into a place. You know? I don't think yuppies are going to show up and feel like this is a new watering hole for them. Yeah, but I mean, if you thought about like, I'll bet you that just seeing me and Brett or maybe not even Brett, just seeing me, Brian, come in. Uh, um. He would probably be like, I don't want that guy in here. You know what I mean? Because I don't fit the vibe or whatever. But I'm like exactly who he wants in there, <laughs> you know? And that's the problem with, with that that kind of attitude is you don't know who's coming in. I see I, I'm in rooms of leftists a lot and they all look fucking different. They yeah. don't have like a singular look or vibe. They're totally all different. Absolutely. <laughs> but i hope we helped at least and and i really hope like after after this virus is done with us and stuff like that like if everybody kind of i wonder have you guys all gotten together and sort of approached it like like a union would by any chance that's the uh, the plot twist is none of us can really actually sit down and have meetings. It's just 10 people going in their own directions oh. in a union themed place with no union. Oh, it sucks because it seems like if you could yeah. all 10, ten get together on one is a union. and just be like, dude, we got to do something. 10 you know? on one is a union. I feel like if you can pull the brakes and say, we need to have a conversation about this place. I mean, is he there all the time? 
He is there all the time. He, I knew it. He busts his goddamn ass. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, because I was like, maybe you could pull oh, off some shit behind his back and be like, we're bring like, how about when you're not here, we'll bring a band in? You know what I mean? It's just like he's there all the time, so you can't do that. He's uh, not really talking to people. He's actually busting his ass. He's like building fridges in the back to put more uh, more beers and whatnot. It's one thing, it's, it's super cool because it's almost everything that I'd want in a job, but there's just these couple of massive holes missing in it. Yeah, the one, I, I, would say if, I would say if everything is so open-ended like this, I, I wouldn't call it a union. I wouldn't say it's aggressive at all. I would just try to assemble some sort of group meeting for everybody and just say it's loosely related to marketing or outreach or advertising or, or getting new customers. And um, if he can get away with bullying everyone not to talk about it, you know, that's just going to be the fate of things. But if you allow everyone the opportunity to say that, like, they want to try to get more people in there or, or work on creating a, an environment that that gets more customers, um, you know, you, you got to let them deal with it, you know. And, and then you also know where you're at. You know if it's ever going to change or not. I mean, I think you need to force the issue because – you sound invested and, and, you know, $25 an hour is nothing to sneeze at. I'd take that for sure myself. Um, but you also have to know whether it's not going to change or not. If, if this guy decides to shut down any sort of negotiations about where things are going to go in the future, then you just have to relegate yourself to a life of being in a rut of this guy's making. Um, and then you can decide whether you're just going to swallow that or you want to try to, to explore other options. That's how yep, I feel that's about it. About where I'm at. Thank you guys for listening to that. You're welcome. It's an interesting story. I I, I really I I enjoyed hearing it. Yeah, I love it. It's cool. It's not something to like blow up, but I don't think that like I don't I don't think passive aggressiveness is uh, appropriate for any organization. I don't think that the, we can't call organizing is not just like living off the fear of other people blowing up at you. We need to have some sort of formal way to have conversations about things that affect everyone you know that may be uncomfortable i like that i mean i don't like the conversations but you know oh man you know what i told you i'm on the google news site tonight so i don't get spoiled on wrestling and uh one of the headlines i saw uh (laughs) it was uh uh Hold on. Uh oh, motherfucker. For those of you that don't know, that was uh that was the Alexander from earlier in the show, the email that I read. Yeah. Uh a story that said like new drug becomes could become the game changer that puts the pandemic on its head. And it was like an at home COVID cure. Fun. Oh, I got so excited when Hydroxychloroquine I saw it. No, no, no. But I got so excited when I saw it, and it ended up being a Fox News story. So then I said, "Is there any place else reporting on this?" And it was VoiceOfAmerica.com. And I was like, "All right, well, this isn't a thing." You know what? Um, I wanted to bring this up. I noticed on my Instagram stalking of right wing pages. That they have the absolute brilliant point where they call Obama's like children descent detention centers and they called it under Trump kids in cages and then under Biden it's juvenile detention centers. 
Like they've they've got the media dead to rights on that. Like the the media is extremely unfair on that. Are they like, I have to say, like the Trump coverage was way nastier than what they're willing to do to Joe Biden. I think that's an that's a fact. That's an absolute fact. And we lose points by not saying that like the media isn't gaining up on fucking Republican presidents. I mean, everything goes the same, but to me, I don't know. I feel like they've got it right because I I don't think Joe Biden should be treated as well as he has been. They call them facilities something. Yeah. yeah. Juvenile detention facilities. It's not even detent they took detention out of the name. Yeah. Some juvenile something facility. It's like, okay. But yeah. they point out like it's the same way that like, you know, under Trump, COVID was a nightmare. Under Biden, it's something, you know, all the kids can go back to school. And they're right, and we're we're going we're losing all those people. There's no way you're going to ever convince them to trust people again because they we sh- like the mainstream media shouldn't be trusted. And they There's are right that, about that. Yeah, and that's the reason that QAnon persists is that like the mainstream media isn't doing their fucking job at all. Yeah, it, it's all a fix. Yeah, for sure. Uh, thanks for calling Street Fight. What are your pronouns tonight? Hey, it's Ryan. Him. Uh, just wanted to well. You just said, you just talked about something. I don't know if you guys saw that Washington Post headline: Biden stimulus showers money on Americans, sharp, sharply cutting policy yep. and favoring individuals over businesses. I did see what that. Yes, that? I that know bullshit because they called <laughs> they they act like they dragged it out of Trump kicking and screaming, and that like he that like that there wasn't a gigantic jump. I remember the numbers in like in wealth increase, like that was the biggest change ever back in 2020. Trump was right about that. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, my, I don't know about you guys, but money is like raining from my ceiling. I have to like put it in garbage bags or some shit. I don't know what to do. It's crazy. Money. It is uh, crazy how much money they're giving us. Right. It's crazy. I actually just saw another really, really another funny. one of those. that and, uh, As soon as you were reading that, a story popped up in front of me that said, uh, new Democrat stimulus plan may raise taxes on gig workers. Great, and it's like that's what we wanted. That's actually what we wanted for that's the stimulus. We yeah, we we, we uh, couldn't get a minimum wage, but uh, higher taxes on gig workers—that is where we should be finding our taxes. I'm really. sitting, sitting in my house thinking about all these people delivering my groceries and how they're getting rich off of it for doing nothing at all. All these goddamn fat cat Uber drivers taking four <laughs> people to work a day and risking getting coronavirus. <laughs> yeah. That's <laughs> uh, really fucked up. Um, yeah. Anyway, reason why I called, I've got a just uh, a short motivational speaker story from work. Hell hey, yes. Hell great. yeah. We love these people now. All right. Well, I don't like Tony Robbins very much. <laughs> Tony Robbins. Uh, the further I get away from him, the more problematic he is. Uh, uh, not a good guy. Apparently, does have some good ideas, maybe. But uh, the bad stuff just outweighs the uh, it's it's the it's the thing I think about when I do like like shock jocks. It's like, ah, shit, you know, I laughed about 10 times in that clip. But like the bad stuff outweighs all the times that I laugh. Right. You know what I mean? And that's what it was with Tony Robbins. I was kind of like, oh, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, but the bad stuff outweighs the good stuff. <laughs> yeah, you're sexually assaulting people. You're sexually assaulting people. And also uh-huh. just even like, 
I was really taken aback. I was so glad it came up when we talked about it on Get Motivated, but his gender role stuff is is abysmal. Garbage. Is really bad. It's like really, really regressive. <laughs> like 80s regressive, you know? You gotta be a man. You gotta roar like a lion. It's like, no. Shut up. That's not what we need. But so they did they have a motivational speaker come to your work? Because I love it when jobs spend a bunch of money on that. Yeah, yeah. So um, I work in like a manufacturing environment. Um, I mean, I'm not on the line or anything, but I'm an engineer, but I work with the guys. So uh, they brought in a guy named Josh Blyl, B-L-E-I-L-L, if you want to look him up. He wants to talk about like the entire plant about safety. And safety is really important. I work around a lot of big, heavy, hot shit. And if you're not careful and there aren't rules, you can get you can get really hurt. So I'm happy with how my company actually handles safety. But this speaker was a bit. Let me just read a little bit from his about section on his site. Um, I'm a father. I'm a husband. I'm a Christian. I'm a spokesperson. I'm a, I'm a marine. So the dude was in Iraq in 2006. Lost both of his legs. Okay. Uh, at the time he was working for the Indianapolis Colts. So like just the perfect person for like corn fed Hoosiers to like lap up and listen to, which I get why they picked him, I guess, because he's a really attractive pick for that. Yeah. He's in the plant telling us about how to be safe. And he's telling us stories about when he was in like Fallujah with his buddies and how they're like keeping each other safe and kicking in doors and houses. And they're like, Oh, we found this one house and we were trying to get a beat on this sniper. And we, uh, you know, kicked the door and there was a family in there and we kept each other safe and we kept them safe. And I'm like, you did a fucking home invasion. Is what I that know. Was. What are you talking about? Like, you didn't. Relevant. How's this relevant? We kept them <laughs> safe. Hey, we kicked their door in. We ran in there screaming and pointing guns at everybody, but we didn't shoot anybody. And we kind of just stood around and said, hey, now nobody's going to break into your house. <laughs> that is really like they kicked the door in, pointed guns at them and said, now nobody can break into your house. Hey, you die with us. We're the last. We're the last stand here. Yeah. God, military guys. Military guys. Military guys are not used to anybody that looks into what they're talking about. Like that. That like actually listens to what they say. When because I know they always feel like they had to do what they had to do. Yeah, because I've been in conversations with guys that were in the military who who said like you know. Uh, we went over there. We didn't know what, or, or you can't really talk about it till you've been over there or something like that. And I have mentioned to them, like, well, I don't think you should be allowed to talk about it till you go out of, till you go over there without an enormous gun pointing it at everybody. You know what I mean? Cause they go over there, but they constantly have a gun and they're pointing it at everybody that looks at them. It's like, well, you're not learning anything. Like if I walked around Columbus pointing a gun at everybody that looked at me, I don't think I'd learn that much about the culture of Columbus, Ohio. I don't think I would know anything. People would just be like, bro, don't point that. Whatever you want. Yeah, whatever you want. Hey, did you want something? <laughs> <Whatever> you want. <laughs> like you don't imagine. Also, the pe- the people in Columbus. Yeah. Yeah, Columbus you Columbus can't speak English either. Uh, yeah. Right. Right. Yes. Yes. If I walked around pointing a gun at people, screaming in a in a foreign language at people, like I just don't screaming at, just fucking screaming at them and yeah. fucking throwing them down on the ground and putting their hands behind their head and searching them. And shit like that. Set it, somebody just set up a checkpoint in my neighborhood, and they're like, "You don't understand the culture over there." It's like, motherfucker, <laughs> like, what do you know about anything? You fucking yeah. ate at Burger King every day you were in Iraq. 
<laughs> I love I I I I hate that they go over there, but when this is if you confront a guy like this with the reality of what they were doing, they're just they nobody says it to him. And it's so it's funny because what you're telling me, that thing that he said, we kicked the door in, we kept the family safe, which is an insane thing to say, no matter who you are, is it's like that's offensive to me. That's purely offensive yeah. to me. Yeah. But it was, it's such a inoffensive thought that human resources brought this guy into your work to tell you that story. Yeah. The, the, his, yeah one of his it, books it, is it, called it, One Step it, at it, a it. Time, A Young Marine Story of Courage. And it's like, I mean, you 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 made that the title. Why did you choose courage? Is that how you feel about yourself? <laughs> it's courage, hope, and a job and, and a new life in the NFL. You didn't get the whole thing. I mean, I, don't don't get me wrong. I mean, I, I do feel the dude lost his legs. Like I feel bad about that. But like you did, you did it for I I don't know, man. And you're coming to talk about like safety. These are the people who are like, oh, I hate when everything gets so political. But like this is like the most political thing you could do is bring in a vet to talk about his experiences in the fucking war I know. and about how we should use proper lifting equipment. Like there's no tie in there. I don't get like, I don't get it. it was, you should it was, drive around on your forklift. Guys was, you should drive around on your forklift, blaring enter Sandman and drinking rip fuel while you're at work. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that's the lesson. I don't know. So what, what was the point? Like how long was it like an hour long presentation? And, and what was, what were your, what was the takeaway? What, and also, I just want to throw this on there. Was there any specific safety methods in there? Like, did he say, for instance, put cones down when you're doing this? You know what I mean? Like, did he give you any specific stuff or was it just a, a did they just hire a guy to come in and tell his war stories? No, nothing specific. Cause like I don't. I mean, he doesn't know. I don't know. He doesn't know what we do. But uh, uh, I think his presentation was like maybe like forty-five minutes. It was just you know a, a talk, and it was in the in the context of like a larger safety meeting that we do every year in the plant to like go over. Hey, here's what we you know the more specific job-related stuff from the people from the company. But he was yeah he was there to basically rah rah. Hey, look at me. You know I'm I I can tell you about being safe with your buddies. This is what you should treat. I mean, the plan oh. is not a war. We're not, we're at work. We're not, in, yeah. uh, we're not killing anybody. So I, like bring in somebody who, I don't know, bring in somebody who got injured in a, in a job accident yes. or something and can say, Hey, this is really important shit. Right. Yeah. That's who I would want. Yeah. Bring in somebody that lost um, an arm fucking around with a lathe or something yeah, like yeah. that. That'll yeah. teach you, you know, it's or somebody, curious, man. somebody who got hit in the head with like a steel girder that like, uh, uh, you know, that kind of, I mean, I'll tell you what, I knew a guy that got super injured working at a steel plant. Uh, his head got injured. He he was wearing the hard hat and everything, but he just got hit with like a steel thing. And, uh, you know, he, he got some brain damage. He ended up dying young. Like it was just a, like a really bad thing. But like after that, I took the safety at my job a lot more seriously just from seeing a guy who didn't make it through. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, like I had seen guys that maybe got 
painkiller addictions from injuries and stuff like that. But at the time I was just like, that's not going to happen to me. But then seeing somebody who like, it didn't work out for. Right. Didn't follow the protocols, ignored a safety sheet. And then all of a sudden got hit in the head with something that ended their life. Yeah. Yeah. And, and like, uh, they, they... but I also, I also feel like, like, again, it's more helpful for them to just tell you the safety protocols. They don't have to like dress it up in any way. They don't have to bring in like a stand-up comedian to tell you to put a cone in front of your truck when you get out of it or something like that. You know, it's just a very like it costs money to do that. I I I know that's what at the cable company. I, you must work at like a, a good business because at the cable company I worked at, they didn't hire inspirational worker, uh, inspirational speakers. They read the book and then relayed their information to you <laughs> on slides. It was. Secondhand, secondhand inspiration. It was, it was good to great was the was the thing. The guy that ran the place read the book Good to Great. Then he made slides directly taken from the book and then played a couple of the author's YouTube videos to us at a breakfast meeting. Damn. And like didn't pay the guy shit at all for it. When I when I worked at the Discover Card call center, we had motivational people that would come in. Every few months, they would give them 10, 12,000, 15, whatever it was, like Antarctic Mike type guys. How the fuck can't the cable company afford They would to do show that? up with like a whole video package and just be like, Are you excited to live the best day of your life? And, and really just go for it. That's what my wife gets one every year where like fucking, you know, Peyton Manning will show up or something and say like two words or Dirks Bentley will. Or Brantley Gilbert will go up there and play a song that's like tailored to the company. And then some pyro will go off and they'll say, we got record profits this year. We had to cut bonuses because of COVID. <laughs> well, I don't know why, but I love to tend to these spreadsheets of mine. <laughs> I actually got to see my wife's uh, uh, thing this year. The uh, oh, uh, you got to see the I got to see pieces of it, yeah, because she was the pep rally. I always call them the pep rally, I don't know what they're actually called. She was watching quarterly the quarterly employee appreciation video, and uh, it was one of the days I was like ultra depressed and I just wasn't getting moving fast enough. And uh, I sat down on the couch next to her and I was kind of just, I was like, what are you doing? And she was like, it's the employee recognition uh, meeting. Jamboree. And it was just a woman standing in front of a green screen saying, like, we fucking filled out those spreadsheets like nobody's we business this year. We didn't come into work. Hey, we were home in our pajamas this year. Maybe we, next year we'll do this thing in front of you. We you still know? had growth of 3.4%. <laughs> and I was watching it and I was just like, who is going off about this? Dude, who cares about this? Like, I don't know why they like a safety meeting to me. Okay. I understand a safety meeting and I understand having to do a safety meeting, I guess. But I always felt and I got a lot more out of this. It was more annoying. Don't get me wrong. This was the most annoying thing in the world. But I found that a workbook that they would give you and make you sign and turn in one morning, I found that to be the most preferable way to do those kinds of meetings. That mean, you mean don't do them at all? 
You don't do the meeting. You just you hand just people like name. a packet. <laughs> And you're like, fucking fill out this packet. And then when it's done, you're like, uh, you guys got any questions? And everybody goes, rah, 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 and then everybody leaves. Yeah, that's not the best way to do it. <laughs> it is, though. For, we, do it, too. we do both. Oh, those are great meetings, aren't they? You just go in there and like some guy reads you like a, a form and he's like, uh, oh, they're making us fill out these uh, safety sheets. You know, hey, you all know you're supposed to put hey, a cone in front of the again. truck. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> that was always the thing at the cable company. Hey, I don't know. You're supposed to put a cone in front of your truck every you time you cones park it. out there. <laughs> That's it. Seriously, is you put a cone in front of and behind your truck, and if you ever see a cable van without the cone in front or behind, they're in trouble. And it doesn't fucking Stop. matter if you're parked at Kroger. It doesn't matter if you're parked. It's no matter where you're parked. You put a cone in front and a cone in back because what it does is. It forces you to walk around your truck and you don't run over somebody's kid or their dog or some mm -hmm. shit like that. Mm -hmm. That's what it was for. Uh, uh, but yeah, I, uh, uh, it's so funny when they bring guys in and, and that poor guy also, this, this Marine, somebody called him and was like, we'll pay you $5,000. No. no. He wanted this gig. No, I'm saying you though, shop this shit because you feel like you got the story. Yeah, he has like a PR agent. I'm saying that the PR agent contacted his PR agent or his speaking agent contacted him and said, "Hey, you know, uh, they want you for a safety meeting here at, at this biz at this plant in Indiana," and he was like, "He was like, okay, so." I'll uh, do my normal speech, but every once in a while, I'll throw the word safety in there. <laughs> because, like, I'm sure yeah. he does the same speech sometimes, but yeah. then and he'll be like, you know, when we were trapped, when we were out there in Fallujah, it wasn't about profit. But here it's about profit. Fallujah is your profit. You know? No, that, it, it's kind of like a cover letter when you're, you're applying for a job. Yeah. Where you just stop and say, like... I mean, really, the most important thing on those days where me and my brothers were out doing the f good fight, <laughs> safety was the most important part. At the end of the night, I went <laughs> to sleep thinking about my safety protocols, and that's why I'm here today to remind you to stay safe in your workplace. You, you can guarantee it's the same speech. He has, like, four speeches. Why wouldn't you? Yeah. Well, why would you craft a new speech? I know. I would show up every single time to do, yeah, like... I've done sets in front of different crowds all over the United States. They all thought it was like a special experience. You know, yeah, but like most unique. of the sets, uh, yes, you're exactly right about that too. But but like this guy probably, if I'm this guy, right, I have four speeches, okay? Or, or no, I have one speech that is 90 minutes and I have a place to stop 60 minutes in, yeah. I have a place to stop 45 minutes in, and I have a place to stop 30 minutes in. And then I have little spots where every once in a while I have to go in and be like, and that's why safeties was the most. That's why when we laid our head. Where you can wrap it up. Yeah, where we <laughs> laid our head in our barracks, we looked at each other and we said, I'm glad we were safe today. <laughs> and that was all because we follow work safety protocols and then like everybody just claps you know and people do love i mean we make yeah. fun of them but people love marines so much yeah well i mean so at, at the end of this talk of course it's stand, standing ovation right 
just because I mean I don't know you have to I guess yeah you have to when it's a tr- like, you don't have you to understand it's like okay I'm like I would have been the only one in that whole fucking plant not standing if I didn't stand exactly yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, which I mean I'm at work it's like I can't afford to not be you know like, yeah patriotic whatever it's I, yeah move. well it's so That's unfair for that <laughs> it's so unfair with them though that they like they expect that. Though. That's the thing that makes you annoyed about it. It's like, fine, people give the troops standing ovations all the time when they're in public, but it's like, it wouldn't be as annoying to me if you knew that the troop didn't expect the standing ovation. Or if the speech was like, great, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You earned it? I don't know, man, whatever. <laughs> <sighs> okay. Well, I'm sure you guys got more in the queue. Yeah, that was great. It was thanks for calling. We appreciate it. Did it work? Yeah, so I, I, I want to say, like you. So I'm sorry, just real quick. But were you inspired? Like, did yeah. it change your life after that? <laughs> so not not by him. Just really quick. One year we had a guy who works for us. He came in and he talked about how he saw something happen. It was really unsafe. He didn't say anything. Then a guy died. Oof. And like so, that was hugely impactful because he was in a position to have stopped it, right? And he yeah. didn't do it. And so. Yeah, like I said, I take safety really seriously. Not because of this guy, but just because, you know, what we do is important. And um, you got to watch out for each other out there. That's great that you take it seriously, too, because I didn't. And, yeah, and like, I sometimes wish I would have been safer. I, I mean, I, I I came out on the other end alive, but, like, I just think about some of the risks I took, and it, it was very stupid what I was doing. Yeah, that was... Yeah, I, I think also, I mean, safety in your job place is something that you can be a stickler about, that it will piss off the upper management, but they also can't punish you for or be mad about. Like, I remember driving power equipment around high tensile wires and seeing people get absolutely fucking devastated by them, go to the hospital and shit. So then when I had a freak out because they wanted me to do something unsafe, it was like, fuck, we can't do anything about this. He's right, you know? Like, I, safety is a yeah. really great set of rules to use against management, I guess, in my opinion. For sure, yeah, yeah. And it is, I mean, because it should be. It's like we shouldn't be taking any fucking risk for the little amount of money they're willing to pay us for. Yeah. You know? I think people take risks. I truly believe that people take risks at work for safety. It, it is 100% like a lazy thing. And uh, 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 you just... You just because for me it was like I didn't strap on to you, you would when you would climb a pole you were supposed to wear a belt that had a strap around it that you strapped around the pole so right. that you couldn't fall down and you could lean back and work and I never wore that belt with that strap I just climbed the I was like it's just quicker to climb the pole and just fucking do it and get down and uh, uh, you know I knew a couple guys that fell off ladders and yeah. it was pretty devastating for them and and they never worked. <laughs> as a cable guy again right you know what i mean and like uh, uh you were risking it all yeah it was stupid it was very stupid it was just laziness it was just i don't want to put the belt on i don't want to uh i don't i don't want to get out put the belt on do all the safety stuff and also for me it was like i don't want to wear a high vis vest because it looks stupid which was stupid and then you got the you got the mike Rowe out there too telling us it's not important and don't get me started on that but you know yeah safety third it's just safety third. Safety He's not third saying that. more important than you. Yeah. Do yeah. yourself for your job. It'll be better. Hell yeah. Well, thanks right for calling with in. Christ okay. before you do your job. That's what Mike Rowe yeah. suggests. Yeah. Have a good night. Yeah. Thanks for calling. Appreciate it. Hey, you guys. It's time. Yeah. Sa- safety, is, safety is really one of those things you can lean on. But what you're saying also as well is um, 
they require a level of productivity that doesn't allow you to do things safely. Yeah, like, yeah. It, like when your manager sees you take that little buckle and put it around the pole, they're like, oh, Jesus Christ, why is you're taking forever? Just climb up the pole and do the job. Yeah, all now, you do is cut it. Now, yeah. now you're doing. Now you're shimmying up, and you've got this belt that's hold. Now you've got to put a fucking high vis vest on. What are you doing? This is annoying. I need somebody that can do this faster than it is safer. It was always sort of like with with the cable company. A lot of the safety protocols were so in the way of getting the work done, and I don't. I feel like they didn't really give a shit if you were safe in the end. Like they were worried about OSHA catching you doing some unsafe shit, some stuff outside of the right. OSHA guidelines. But in 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 my experience, I didn't get the impression that they really cared if I made it safe because there were times where I would contact my boss and say like i don't feel safe doing this and he'd be like well somebody's got to do it you you know i remember you know you know this street i'll just say the street for you so that you understand it and you can maybe relay uh east broad street in reynoldsburg is a five lane road 50 major miles an hour road, yeah. it's a major road yeah and uh, uh i had a job where i had to run a line across uh that street from pole across that street to another pole and then into a doctor's office. And uh, I didn't have, my ladder didn't, wasn't going to get, I was like, I would, I couldn't wrap my belt around it uh -huh. because the pole was really fat because it's on the side of a major road. Yeah. Right. And uh, we needed to stop traffic. There was one other person with me to stop the traffic on that road. And like, I, not enough. I know it, it is a major, I'm talking, this is a five it's lane huge. road. It might even be eight lanes now. Um, so I called and said, like, first of all, we should have a bucket truck where somebody could get in a bucket and go up there and work comfortably at the pole instead of me putting a ladder that doesn't really reach. Yeah, you can't be on the top rung of your ladder. You're not supposed to be hanging out on the top rung of a ladder. Yeah, and I ended up doing it because they wouldn't do anything for me. It Because you were to get pain done. in the ass because you wanted to bring a bucket out. Yeah, and that's what they said. a couple other people to direct traffic. They said if you can't do it, uh, then maybe you can't do your, you know, it's like one of those, you know, if you can't do it, then maybe you're not cut out for this job right. sort of thing. And it, it was unfair and, uh, it was truly one of the scariest, like sort of moments of my life. I was, I was working on this thing and, uh, um, you know, they told us all the time, if you have to stop traffic, you're going to need like two or three people to stop traffic on a road like that. But when it came down to it and i needed that two or three people to get there and help me they couldn't do it because they were work they were all working yeah. there wasn't two or three people available no one was to do the work you know and um, we're gonna hit a break now we are gonna hit a break now uh this is uh, a hiccup thisness music you can find them at thisness.bandcamp.com i don't have their their message here so this is a street fight band but uh, just enjoy all of the thisness from thisness available at thisness.bandcamp.com. Hit it.
Hey everybody, welcome back to Street Fight Radio. If you enjoyed that music, it came from Thisness, T-H-I-S-N-N-E-S-S, Thisness. You can find them at thisness.bandcamp.com and uh, enjoy their tunes. They're Street Fight people. If you if you got a band that you're involved with and you want to want us to play your stuff, on the call-in show we need you know, 10, 15 minutes of music, so if, you, if you've got the links for that, we'll play them. You can send those to streetfightradio at gmail.com or any of the social media platforms. We're streetfightwcrs on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. We're streetfightradio on Twitch. Thanks for tuning in. Uh, you, we do have a pretty big call queue right now. So I want to say uh, I'm glad you all are excited to talk and 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 want to get on the show, but we're going to have to to rush through these to make sure we get to everybody. Sound good? I love it. All right, let's see what we got. Thanks for calling Street Fight. Who are we talking to tonight? What's your pronouns? Hello? Ghost, hit your mute button. You're on mute. Mutey wooty. Woo woo. Come on. Mute, mute. Don't die on us. Well, here, let me sing for you. I want to soak up the sun tonight. And hello, where are you? 424 zip code. All right. I'm here. Hey, hey, what's up? Good. (laughs) I had the wrong input. My apologies. Um, my, uh, my, uh, this is Hank from Los Angeles. Uh, my, my pronouns are he, him. What's up, Hank? How's it going tonight? Can it? It's going. It's going. Um, I've never called a radio show before, so apologies for the for the misfire there. Me neither. So I understand. No. Nope. Yep. You know what? I, I actually, now that I'm thinking about it, I called a uh, radio show when I was a kid to do a Barney Gumble impression, and uh, it scared him off. They didn't let me on the air. Not fair. Not fair. No, I've never called a radio show before. <laughs> so I've only been on this side. Totally rude. <laughs> so what's <laughs> yeah? What's nice. going on tonight? Well, every time you guys talk or every caller gives me something new I wanted to bring up. And it's, I just want to thank you for this uh, show that you do. Uh, I started it listening around August. Um, I pay pretty close attention to the progressive, like online lefty world and stuff. And I'd heard street fight radio, but never became a listener until last year. And then I uh, became a patron in September and finally decided to, to man up and, or, or human up and call in and say hi. No, yeah. Thanks, hell yeah. It. Right on, right on. Um, let's see. I got a couple of things. I know you want to run out. You don't, you don't have all the time, so maybe we should skip. I, I was going to uh, talk about a Task Rabbit's task uh, uh, settlement, a lawsuit settlement that came in. I got oh. a check for it, so that was going to be kind of something to go through. But uh, yeah, the other hear- thing I was going to ask for was like a, a pep talk for podcast success. Oh, and burnout, and that's kind of the other topic I was getting at. Well, now I can't help you with burnout because I constantly have it. But uh, when I give a pep talk, <laughs> whenever I give a podcast pep talk, I'll, I'll give you a uh, I'll give you the quick and dirty thing that I always tell people. One, you got to do it every week. You can't take any time off. It sucks that you can't take any time yeah. off. But me and Brett did like six years before we took a day off. So like it's just really like it might not happen right away. And you just got to keep plugging away to 30 people until one of your friends podcast take off and they uh, mention you on the show 
And uh, that's how right. that's how you that I mean that's how it worked for us. But you know, it really is just like don't expect. But first of all, I always say don't. I never wanted people to hear the first year of shows that we did. Mm-hmm. Like it was, I would have loved it if it would have been successful right away. But like, I'm glad that we did it. We kind of learned how to do it before we got listeners to the show and uh you gotta take that time to get good at what you're doing because it can be very hard it it, like a lot of people think they're good like right away and it's just that's not how it works it's it's more of a uh uh, totally it's it's more of a slow process It, it it sounds like you're just bullshitting with your friends but uh it is a conversation that is not necessarily meant for uh it's not like the conversations you have with your friends you know what i mean like you got to make that make it for everybody and uh i mean I that's what that. i always say i always just say you just gotta look at it you, you gotta do it every week you can't take any days off and you just you knock it out and just hope for the best you know and 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 really right. push hard uh, uh, once you know you're in that, you're once you're in the space, once you know you're in a spot where you are good, where everything's firing and everything's working, that's when you start promoting. And, and like Brett is better about the promoting stuff. Uh, uh, but yeah, it's about consistency. I mean, podcasting is, is like 80% just consistency. People want you to be there that's, every week. That's- yeah, that's the advice I was expecting to hear because I, I've uh, I actually started my doing my podcast in 2010. I've been uh, grinding for a long time, uh, on and off a bunch. I, I, let me introduce a little more. I used uh, I, I'm a stand up comedian, or I was. I, st- I started doing comedy in 2009 and pushed really hard. I started in Chicago and uh, really uh, you know out five six nights a week doing it. Wound up moving to Los Angeles, dream chasing. Uh, actually, I worked at the Young Turks. A show you guys might have heard. Oh, I've heard of that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, so off and on, and I became a video editor, and I've also, like, I'm a self-taught animator, and I've developed all these, like, production skills and shit, and LA is a tough town to keep doing stand-up at, so eventually, like, my stand-up efforts kind of petered out. Uh, Of course, I've got a bunch of emotional baggage and shit like that that uh, all comedians uh, pretty much do. Um, and so like my podcast has kind of taken on different iterations. I've done hundreds of episodes. I've done other shows. I've helped people start podcasts and uh, I know the advice, like I know the consistency is the right. And that's a, definitely the mistake that I make. And I'm, I'm kind of a solo operator. In fact, that's one reason I'm calling it to sort of try to snap out of some of my comfort zones, uh-huh. you know, cause I'm missing a community and I'm missing some people, you know, having like people in the same same uh, brain space because I've sort of fallen off the stand-up wagon a few years ago. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's just with COVID, with work, I was doing gig work. I actually wound up back at the Young Turks, and I was part of the union organizing movement there. I don't know if you picked up on oh, any yeah. of that. I've heard year. about it. I didn't want to say anything about it because I know it's uh, it's one of those things that's like uh, they didn't handle that well, from what I understand. I. Listen, I could talk about this for hours, and I don't want to take up too much time, but it was brutal i got laid off last year in january at the beginning of the year and the union didn't come public until mid mid february uh they responded with vicious union busting i mean every trick in the book it was crazy <laughs> i didn't we did not expect them to deny the union they rejected card checks captive audience meetings aggressive emails screaming and yelling at the people 
Um, they fired somebody the day after Jenks' campaign. There was a huge, the biggest of them all. And by the way, interrupt me if you want to hear any more uh, elaboration. There's articles on Huffington Post, Politico. I'm yeah. quoted in, I think, the in, in the New Republic. Because I, I, okay, so the, the, it, it came out during Jenks' campaign, if you'll recall. He was running for Congress in California, 25th District. And his opponent was Christy Smith. Uh, their, their immediate response, instead of just accepting the union, was to uh, say that this seems like a conspiracy from his opponent to try to hurt him in his campaign. <laughs> that was nuts. Like, yeah. That, like, most union, union campaigns don't occur while the CEO is also running for Congress. So that's a pretty unique set of factors. Um, but yeah, I, like, it, it was insane. I would love to talk more about it. I don't want to, I could go on and on and on. So I, finally then I'll say this and I'll uh, like give, uh, give you a sec. Um, because I was just laid off, I had the freedom to speak up. Right. Right. And uh, I mean, I'm not really a wilting flower type of person. I kind of have, I'm kind of a loud mouth opinionated guy that, you know, thus the being a comedian it, or something like that. Yeah. And so I was fighting back online. I was responding. I was trying to like not let them define the entire narrative because it was, it was just insane. Like they weaponized their own audience against their own workers. It was one of the craziest things I ever, I've ever experienced. So that was right at the heart of it. Cause I, I more or less initiated the entire effort last summer. Uh, although to be fair, they had already done a little union, um, mild, uh, flirting about two or three years before when I wasn't there and that got quashed quietly. But this turned into a huge, huge, huge snafu. And, uh, I, I, you know, the, the quote unquote haters of the, of TYT, Jank and everybody, cause they got a lot of folks online that don't like them. Yeah. They picked up on it. But one thing I noticed was just how little of the kind of progressive lefty world picked up on it. And I don't blame them necessarily. COVID was starting to ramp up. Things were starting to get a little intense and it's not the biggest story in the world, but man, it's, it, there's been nothing but silence on the left from about this. And maybe that's the way you should, maybe because they're a prominent out, outfit, um, people on the left should be quiet about their uh, flagrant. They, they fired a guy the day after Jenks campaign, the day he lost, he got like 5%. He wasn't going to win that fucking yeah. election. He, they fired a guy the morning after at eight in the morning. The day I made jokes about it on Twitter. I, I know I made jokes about yeah, it yeah. on, on Twitter the day it was happening, but really the reason I didn't is because we've never worked with them at all or talked to them. And they're really that whole outfit is sort of what a lot of our, that kind of outfit, that and majority report or, uh, or citizen radio, a lot of, you know, yeah. us and the people around us were a reaction to even that stuff. You know what I mean? So it was like, we mm. were never friendly with them. And, uh, 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 we probably, I would agree with you that we might've should have brought up the union stuff on the air. It just feels weird talking shit about other podcasters or other, other hosts on the show. Cause we don't yeah. generally do that on here. And it would have felt weird to like engage in like a radio war sort of thing, you know? Right. And by the way, I didn't mean to uh, imply that I was calling you out for not speaking up. No, no, no. I, was, I know, understand I what you're to, saying, though. But it's I, fair. I mean, we're yeah, involved yeah. with that too. And you're. I mean, this is this is stuff that I, I don't feel. I don't feel any type of way of reporting on it. But it isn't something that became like wildfire in the news system. Yeah, and it probably should have been. Not. 
It, I mean, it would have been great if somebody would have called in at that time. We would have definitely gone on it for a while. We wouldn't have like hung up on somebody, but like, uh, uh, yeah, I just I don't know why it didn't come up really on on the show. Uh, it maybe we were busy with other shit, like you said. It came at the beginning of COVID, where it was like almost like every show was about COVID there for a period of time. Right. <laughs> so it just felt like the biggest thing in the world. I I think they kind of lucked out. The Young Turks on on the time that they yeah. decided to bust a union, and their tactic of weaponizing their audience against their workers, and, and, and that's kind of loaded language. I'm saying there. So what they, you know, they came out with statements indicating they thought this was all just a coordinated conspiracy by her opponent, um, either via uh, uh, the workers who knowingly engaging in this, as if we were out to scam or not scam, uh, you know. Uh, impede his election somehow or that we were being manipulated by IATSE, the International uh, Theater and Stage Employees. That's like the, the, the parent union that we were joining. We were joining the Motion Pictures Editors Guild. Yeah. So that that was effective, though. Like as far as like the way I uh, think of that is that's basically, you know, like in movies where some kid just goes food fight and then it, all the milk cartons and all the peas and, the, and, and all the all the tater tots start flying in the air. It's like they just created a commotion of it. So I think that in addition to all the reasons why it was not that obvious to other shows and stuff, I think that really made it confusing. I think it made that made it seem like no one could really tell what was going on. So, yeah, I don't know. I, this is my first time speaking publicly about it because it's uh, it's been it's been one of those burning fires in me for a year, a year, actually longer than that. And there's a bigger story to tell too. So, <laughs> yeah, it's a pretty Thanks big. Listening to me, though, I don't. It is like a pretty big organization too, and you would think that they would understand that, like, they should set up the. Uh, they should set up the. Uh, 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 I don't know. Like, if 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 you decide to you if if you're if street fight employees decided to unionize, I would. 100% just accept it and say, Hey, you know, you're, you're a union now. I would be kind of annoyed because it's like my wife and my cousin and stuff. I'd be like, come on, you know, you can talk to me. But, uh, if they decided yeah. to do it, I, it would, I think both me and Brett would just be like, yeah, uh, cool. You're a union right. now. You know what I mean? Because it would Vice feel News, wrong. Vice News accepted their union and, oh, sorry, I interrupted. Right. Um, it would feel Vice wrong. News accepted their union in an hour. Yeah, it would be. Even if out of sheer self-preservation, that was one thing that caught me off guard was like, I knew they weren't going to like it. I've worked there for the last eight years off and on, both as, a, both, both as a, an employee and an independent contractor. And I knew they weren't going to like it. You know a company when you see all the sausage gets made, you know? That's yeah. why we had secret meetings and we did it all. Like we had the first meeting at my apartment. Uh, That's a and, bummer, uh, though. But I did not expect them to shoot themselves in the head with their reaction. By yeah, it's a bummer. Acknowledging it, we were like, "It's crazy." It was just it showed such terrible judgment I on mean, top it, of the immorality of it, the hypocrisy. They could be like a small indie thing and not have to worry about a union. They just set up like a whole TV channel, and you set up a whole TV channel, yeah. and you got a fucking. You should be hiring union workers if you're running a TV I was channel. Make, totally. We, you know, some of our editing was on TV because they had a deal with a broadcast with a cable company for, you know, to be carried on a, a cable package. Lots of money, investors. I was working as an editor. I have 10 years experience in video editing. I do graphics. Uh, I'm a comedian. I have a lot of history with TYT, actually. I was also on the Jimmy Dore show in 2016. 
Uh, I worked for him for a stretch. If anybody ever was a fan of his, I was on the air with him right before the Ron Placone era started. Uh, Yeah, we could also uh, talk about that if you guys want. No, I I do not. (laughs) Here's the thing. I don't want to get involved with Jimmy Dore at this point. (laughs) I don't blame you. Listen, I, I don't blame you. I it, it's an interesting story, and I, I'm saving it for my memoirs because I don't think I can handle the stress. <laughs> I'm burnt out as fuck. I, yeah, I, me too. I was doing gig work. I've done Postmates. I was, yeah, everything is just exhausting. And when you go to work, oh, yeah, I was trying to get to a point. I have all this experience as an editor. I live in L.A., and I, the rate I was making was uh, $21.63 an hour, which is which A is lot less than, for, than for, an editor should a, make. That's nothing. I mean... Yeah, yeah, I want to do a lot yeah. more video projects, but when I tried to figure out how much the $35 an hour is is going to run us, it, it is hard to square that. Like the, There's things I want to do, but I, I'm not going to do it without the budget so that the people involved are getting paid what they're worth. Like I, I don't have that skill, and it's like it's worth infinity amount of money to me. Like video editing, audio editing, any of the technical mm-hmm. side of it is extremely valuable. It's the only thing that makes my <laughs> stupid running mouth worth money is that and, people put it out there and make it digital. And again, know? dude, you don't have to start a TV station. Right. You don't have to do that. Right. That's like not your right. If you were worried about employees unionizing, run a smaller operation. Right. You know? It and seems like you want it all. Your entire career. Yeah, exactly. He want, And he wanted to play progressive on camera, but not live it in his workplace. Like he spent his whole career screaming into a microphone how important unions are, how workers got to stand up for themselves, how you should speak truth to power and all the kind of hokey bullshit. And then a union shows up at his door. And we, 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 the very first meeting we had, we talked about how we're not here to hurt the company. We're here to you know do what's best for our principles and what we feel we need to do. Uh, and yeah, it is heartbreaking. I mean, I, I gave years to this company and, yeah. uh, you know, it's one of the reasons I've gone like hard left in my last like three or four years too, you know, doing gig work and then this experience. And now I'm calling street fight radio and saying, Hey guys, help me, uh, you know, help me make some sense of this fucking crazy situation. Yeah, it is so, wild. Yeah. I, again, there you go. Like it's, it is funny. It, it is like the thing I think about all the time is like, People always just want the big organization, the big corporate entity, no matter what. And look, I would like more employees doing more shit for us, too. And if we could afford to do that, we would absolutely do that. But instead, we keep the organization as large as we can, but still small. You know what I mean? Because we can't afford to hire 50 people. It's the same small bit. It's like kind of the small business thing where it's like, well, I want to run a small business, but I can't pay a living wage. And it's like, well, then you can't afford to have employees and you just have to do all the work, you know? And that's how I feel about the young Turks is like they should have, if they wanted to, if you want to have this large organization that has like a YouTube, that has like a channel on YouTube TV and, and on some cable systems, then you got to pay the money. Like that's, that's the only way it works. It, it, your, your business becomes yeah. large and you have to deal with the, the, uh, the parts of that that maybe aren't as pleasant to you. Also, I just can't imagine they or, couldn't afford to pay people and have a union, you know? No, that's, that's ridiculous. Yeah, not at all. And, and I, 
I didn't know I was going to be laid off, uh, but my whole plan for the year was to pitch shows about unions and to do like a labor, you know, newspapers used to have labor sections. Yeah. And I, I wanted to make the Young Turks uh, uh, like a, a, a point of the spear for the lefty movement. By the way, from a capitalist perspective, there's shit tons of money to make uh, making lefty content. Yeah. Look at Jenk's nephew. Look at Chapo. Look at uh, your guys' success. I mean, like there's, if you want to look at it from a, in, in terms of that, you know what I mean? Like it wouldn't have hurt the company. We could have taught the world how to unionize and made it an example to, to like inspire workers and inspire people to stand up. And, uh, yeah. you know, I, I, I often debated with myself. I've had this internal battle. Sorry, I'm going way longer. I know your queue is long. Uh, I can always call back. Um, but, uh, I've had this internal battle about, should I speak up? Should I just move on? Should I do this? And I'm like, nah, you know what? Fuck that. I'm, I'm going to make a little stink about it <laughs> when I can. Uh, exactly. <laughs> Knife. Um, I'm going to do everything I can, not everything, but I'm, I'm not going to go quietly. They've, you know, this is not the way I, I was taught to, to be and not the way I, I, you know, so, um, yeah, that's, I mean, there's a lot more to say. I, I, I don't want to use it. Well, well, yeah, yeah keep it up and here. let it, tell us what yeah, your podcast is so people can, uh, yeah. And, and you know what, if you message one of us, we can get you on when there's not a huge queue. That'd be great. I'd love that. Yeah. All right. I've done hundreds and thousands of hours of podcasting and I, yeah, I'm not a, I'm not a bad talker, so I don't think I'll Sweet. waste your time. What's the podcast? Uh, I'm Hank, Hank under, uh, winners and losers. I'm actually winners and losers in the Twitch chat right now. Cool. Uh, I started Twitch streaming too. I'm doing a Valheim stream for my video game YouTube channel, Suck Professor. I've got a, I got a ton of nutty, nutty little projects on the internet that I've worked on. And, I, and I'm busting my butt because the, the whole thing with me now is I finally sort of taken it seriously. I'm putting myself on face cam. I'm trying to get out of my comfort zones. I'm trying to like make connections with guys like you and shows. And uh, because I don't want to live, I don't want, I want to live a boss free lifestyle. I can't yeah. take having some <laughs> jag off telling me how to spend my hours during my day. It just yeah. kills me. I can't That's stand it. Not that I wouldn't work with people on projects. You know what I'm saying? Like you need an editor for your, for some of your stuff. You, I'm, I'm here, you know, I'm, I'm happy to work with others, but okay. having a boss is just a nightmare. It's such a crime, this fucking system where we have to, you know, live under these authoritarian pieces of scum. It just kills me. I so, agree. There you go. Well, yeah, just again, yeah. if you message one of us, we can get you on for a longer time and uh, have What's a good best, night. Uh, Patreon uh, message. You know, uh, the Street Fight WCRS page, the email, uh, okay. Street Fight Patreon, radio gmail.com, Patreon, and uh, Murder X Brian. I'll figure that. Yeah. Yeah. There's a bunch of places to get a hold Hell of yeah. us. Hell yeah. Well, have a good night. All right. You appreciate Peace. it. Thank you. Yeah. I got to say also, from just like a truly cynical point of view, that um, if you let your people organize and you bragged about it a whole bunch and made it a part of your advertising that seems like it would be advantageous to I know. the whole organization and you just have to figure out how to make the money work differently but it you really doesn't make sense generate more money it doesn't make sense to knee-jerk reject a union yeah you know what i mean all right it's working for, they, they didn't take them down though so that's why they they made that bet i think they're probably a little less popular i agree i agree uh, thanks for calling Street Fight. Who are we talking to tonight? What's your pronouns? What's up, guys? Uh, this is Dell from North Carolina. I go by he, him. What's up, Dell? Um, I am fo I'm following up of a call I made uh, a little while ago about Bucky's in North Carolina. Oh, okay. Yes. yes. Um, yeah. Uh, they are no longer uh, going to build right here. Um, 
so we got Bucky's out of here. Fuck Ooh. yeah! How'd you pull it off? But yeah, who who was who, who uh, spearheaded that effort? Well, uh, me and about twelve other people um, created a group called A Voice for Eflin and Orange, and uh, we got a petition that got over six thousand signatures, and we stacked, uh, you know, through like canvassing and organizing, we were able to get. Uh, you know, activate and mobilize the community to like reach out to county commissioners. And, you know, we raised money for ad space and signs. So we like had ads on Hulu that I had to do the voiceover to that sounded like corny as fuck, but like it got the <laughs> job. It. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't matter. That's yeah, incredible. Doesn't me matter. and Brett should do an ad on Hulu. Now you got me wanting to do an ad on Hulu. Dude, you guys totally, like, absolutely. It's so cheap. Is it really? It's like really cheap to run an ad on Hulu to anyone that's like thinking about how they need to get a message out. Like, I mean, obviously advertising is a way, but like Hulu is like, uh, I think we spent like $200 for like, I want to say like three, 4,000 views or something. Yeah. Right. Let's do a Hulu yeah. ad. We, we got to do a Hulu Put ad. that on the list for 200 bucks. We'll totally do a Hulu ad. Yeah. We for, we'll make it stupider yeah. than shit too. I mean, really dumb shit. But yeah, so so like they they did public comment. They had to extend out. So like Bucky's had to pay this uh, lawyer from Raleigh, which is like forty forty five mi- minutes away from where where this site is, and uh, the uh, real estate uh, director for Bucky's. Uh, he's a man named Stan Beard. Uh, and man, uh, man. they had to keep coming back to these meetings to listen to the public just, like, drill into them. Really? Just, like, like, just be like, no, absolutely not. Like, I mean, it was a watershed that was, like, go- supplying water for over 7,000 people. Like, that's what they were. They were building on top of a protected watershed that w- adjoined a critically protected watershed, which flows into the Eno River, which is like a 40 mile long river that dumps into the Noose River Basin, which is like the whole state's water. Wow. I can't believe I, I got to tell you, congratulations. I when you called, I was like, Thanks, man, and, and this is no I'm I'm uh, here's the thing. When you called, I was like, no, build that motherfucking you, Bucky's. You know what I mean? Like, there's so many fucking pieces. So, so I'm a, I'm a musician and uh, I, I was actually going I was moving to California doing a cross country tour uh in march and then fucking disney world closed and i knew things were uh getting serious and so i i came back to north carolina and so like uh yeah man like i i was talking to my agent and he was like i told him and he's like man i did not think you had a snowball's chance in no. hell of beating that no when we talked i was and, like I, I think my whole brain was going like oh you know i hope you do you know what i mean you get on the air and you're like i, I think you could do it you know you just got really organized you got really knocked out you gotta knock on the doors you gotta do this you gotta do that and then it's like uh uh it's like um not gonna that happen. ain't gonna happen. Yeah. That Bucky. And by the way, I think, <laughs> right. And we didn't talk to you about this, but we did end up talking about Bucky's later on about their labor practices, and it sounds like a terrible place to work too. Dog shit. Bad. Very bad. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I've lost my love. They're trying to. They're like. They're like dead set on building in North Carolina. Um, I you know I 
we were quoted in a, in a, one of the newspapers uh, that that covered us as saying like you know like you can go wherever you want but like all like ninety percent of our research is like applicable to wherever you go like the ten <laughs> percent is the watershed which is like a very important thing but like we literally had an entire website with like you know like 10 tabs with like, you know, four subdivisions of like, what is Bucky's? What is this building? Like, like, what is this development? What is the rezoning application? Because it's confusing as shit. Like I, like, like I said, like I'm a musician and I'm like, I know more about like zoning than I ever wanted to fucking know. <laughs> you did it though. Uh, congratulate, really congratulations on this. This is a, a an incredible victory and it really, this is the kind of thing I like to hear because it makes me feel like good things are possible. Yeah, man. And like, you know, it, 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 it was definitely a win. And so this, this plot sits in a, uh, in a unincorporated town called Eflin, which is in the Cheeks township, just for a little geography history lesson. And, and the, the communities of color in, Eflin Cheeks have been like underserved. Uh, you know, they, they, they've had their land stolen from them and they've been underserved for decades and centuries. And all of the development in this county goes to the more densely populated and white areas of the county, right. um, for like school funding reasons. Um, and it also just, to note the, the, these more densely populated white areas have an entirely separate school system than the rest of the county. Um, but that's, that's a whole nother story. But anyways, uh, yeah. So I'm sorry. No, go ahead. I mean, that, that's the case in a lot of places. Yeah. Um, but anyways, so, so yeah, so, you know, this has now created this unique opportunity where, cause tons of development have come through and, you know, historically, I never knew this until after Bucky's withdrew that there's been a lot of instances of like, you know, white landowners who don't want, you know, bullshit built in their backyard, like pushing off development that black and, and brown folks, you know, all over the county or specifically in Western Orange County wanted. And they, that, that's how they felt again here. And so what we're trying to do now is like push a dialogue and like have us have a seat at the table in, in this area of the county and be like, you know, first off, like, what do we want developed? You know, um, wh what do we all want to see like come? Because, you know, personally, I think we have enough buildings. Yeah. Yeah. I think we're, yeah. we're doing okay on buildings. No, it is. A, um, it's a great. It's a great starting point, though. When 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 the city council is like, "Hey, we're gonna put a Bucky's up here." It's like, well, hold on a second. Like, shouldn't everybody around here talk about like what we want to see built and what we want, how we want things to happen? It's a great. It's a great and it's a great way to to like uh, to to fight back against their decrees that they think they're about to levy upon you. Right. Right. Exactly. And I and I think that you know there's now this plan that's even bigger than Bucky's that it's all fueled by the, this, the planning director of orange County who, you know, 
obfuscated facts about a critically protected watershed to the planning board to the point that a planning board member had to come in front of the board of commissioners and say, I was lied to by the planning director about wow. where the watershed was. Yeah. Like, and, and he's, he's doing, you know, all this other thing that's like just an obscene amount of land that he just wants to put warehouses on. Um, and it's the same critically protected watershed. It is literally two of the parcels of land sit in the exact same watershed that we just went over mm-hmm. Fuck. with fuckies. Well, I think you can stop it. I think you can win. Now I have so, all the faith in the yeah, world. Yeah, I mean, we're, we're... Well, so before you get off... The, <laughs> before we get you off the line here, I mean, what's the level of... Yeah, commi- I don't want to take up too much time. Yeah, what's the level of commitment, I mean, that it's required... You know, for you and also, you know, the other people that are involved. I mean, is this a have you been meeting weekly or, or you know, going to just the meetings together? How yeah. has it played out? So it was, you know, I got in about a month into the, the group being a thing. And I, you know, I realized that it was a, a, a older group of people. I'm the youngest person by like 20 years. Um, 26. And so, you know, I was kind of like, we need to have a protest. We need to up our social media game as much as I kind of hate infographics. Like we got to start putting some infographics out. And so at the peak, I mean, I was unfortunately putting in like 12 hours a day, uh, (laughs) if, if not more for over a month at one point, Mm. um, and, you know, I, at the time I'm now got my job back, uh, playing music for a dance department at a local university, but I, uh, I was a completely unemployed musician. And so I just had the time, you know, yeah, yeah. and it seemed like well worth putting my, my time into, but no, I mean, it was, uh, it was an obscene amount of work and, you know, it was, we met once a week, um, over zoom and they were like, you know, two, sometimes two and a half hour long meetings. And then, you know, every day between that, you're on the phone with the NAACP, you're on the phone with, you know, the Center for Biological Diversity. Like, Mm -hmm. it's it's a pretty insane uh, experience. But yeah, I mean, it it was definitely hard. I'm, I'm sort of taking a step back now for this new development plan. But that's the thing is when you form... Sorry, I'm giving a long-winded answer here. Um, but you know, when you when you form sort of a a coalition or a, a collective of of folks who are willing to do the work, you are able to work on. You're able to multitask. Like you can deal yeah. with one thing and then have a group of other people like doing all the research on the next fight that you're going to have to have to get involved in. Yeah, that yeah, that's what I was I was kind of getting at. Susie Subways from uh, Prison Health News was kind of in a similar thing where they were working on it every single day, but they were able to farm out a lot of the work. And, and as long as they had the network of people to rely on to make sure the next action happened or the next protest or filings or or whatever it may be, like that that those were the critical moments to make sure that the it kept moving forward. Yeah. Yeah. And I just also want to say that, you know, I am fairly new, uh, to organizing. Um, 
but this was all done uh with like less than five thousand dollars oh um, shit i mean that's incredible yeah, it's really um, incredible Dell. I, I mean you really you really blew you really surprised that really surprises me that is a really happy story to hear yeah, and I mean, you know, I, I've I've been meaning to call, but like Sundays are like my day off, and like, you know, there's there's too many things to do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, no. well, uh, my buddy reminded me to call in tonight, but I, you know, I just figured, you know, that in the in the abyss of whatever the fuck kind of timeline we're on here, you know, there are there are glimmers of light. Yeah. That come out of community organizing. Yeah, yeah. it's incredible. Organizing gets the goods. And Dell, uh, send us a message on one of the on some sort of platform. Let us know who you are. I'll send you some some Street Fight stuff, some shirts and stuff. Oh, great, man! Thank you. I will. Uh, I'll message you on Facebook if that's cool. Not a problem. Cool deal. Good night, Dell. Good to talk to you. Awesome. Thanks, guys. Have Peace. a great night. What a fucking story, dude! It's great. Let's get the next call. We got to roll. I mean, it's all ruckus. It's all making people uncomfortable. And, like, if you got 12 other people in your town that are willing to be uncomfortable, like, that's a coalition. <laughs> like, yeah. that, that's enough. They I mean, don't. It's also, like, a lot of, I mean, the, the legal work is so critical. And yeah. It's, and, uh, you know, a thing I've learned from doing Street Fight is that there are a lot of leftist lawyers out there. Yeah, so. Absolutely. Yeah, it's networking. It's it's building the people out. It's finding something to, that you can all do together. It, I'm glad it worked. Can't wait to hear what happens in the future. Thanks for calling Street Fight. Who are we talking to tonight? What's your pronouns? Hey, can you guys hear me okay? We yeah. can hear you. Great. Hey, um, this is Bryant from the Cars and Comrades podcast. Uh, my pronouns are he, him. What's up? How's it going tonight? Oh, going pretty good. Um, we just uh, finished recording uh, an episode of our podcast um, not too long ago. Now and, you're podcasting uh, I again. And, um, exactly, yeah. I thought I'd call in and, and check in with uh, Brian if you figured out the, the issues <laughs> with your Kia. I not have yet. a suggestion for you. We just had a conversation okay. during the break. Uh, they should be The Consumer Affairs Office should be getting a hold of me tomorrow. And uh, I will know more. But believe me, people will know if they rip me off this time. You know what I mean? I'm I'm going to okay, make a good. stink about it. But uh, so far, I don't have any news. Uh, I got to tell you, I think I'm going to get ripped off. But uh, I'm, I'm trying to hold my head up here. Yeah. Well, uh, let me uh, preface this by saying I'm in no way a trained mechanic. And I've never worked on that particular model of Kia. So take this with a grain of salt. Uh, but I did see someone else online, um, with one of those cars that was talking about, uh, they have some problems with the piston rings mm -hmm. and they tend to leak oil into the combustion chamber. You, that's when they get a little bit worn out. There you go. That is what's happening. Actually, yeah. I'm fairly certain. Yeah. And, and so that could, that could cause the issues with your transmission. If it goes into limp home mode, it would have a speed limit on there. Yeah, it hasn't got and into that limp could have home. Caused the uh... my car oh, hasn't okay. got into limp Maybe home mode. It's it's it was the catalytic converter got fucked up, and uh, uh, that needed yeah. fixed. But uh, right now we're really dealing with. I think what we're really dealing with is the recall. Uh, I think 
I think right. they recalled these engines because they eat oil. And uh, I got a place that just doesn't want to replace the engine. They just don't want to do it. And uh, I'm, my guess is because they don't want to do free labor. You know, I don't know if that's how it works as, as a as a mechanic. But if I'm not paying for the labor, I don't know who pays for the labor. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, no, I think they have a, an economic incentive to rip you off with this. And they're probably not doing the correct test. That, that would be required to, to show that this engine is toast. Yeah. Um, if I could suggest, I would, I would maybe take it to another dealer or <laughs> um, maybe to the same one and, and ask them to do a compression test Brett on the smiled. engine, and that will tell, the, tell them. Brett just smiled from ear to Sorry, ear when you said take it somewhere else because literally during the break he said, are you going to even just take it somewhere else? And I said, no. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I, mean, I think if if you do a compression test, it'll it'll tell you whether the engine is bad or not. I mean, they'll probably try and weasel their way out of it one way or the other, but For sure. I don't think they're doing any tests. If I'm being honest, you know, I I told this story over the summer, but when I said my car wasn't shifting right, they just took me at my word and put a new transmission in it. You know what I mean? Right. And uh I would assume that if they had done some sort of a test, they would have realized, oh, the transmission's working. It's the catalytic converter. You know what I mean? But they didn't do yeah. the test. So they just said, hey, the transmission must be fucked up. He said it. And it's like, uh, uh, I, I just feel like they're not doing diagnostics. And they keep bragging because they're not charging me for diagnostics, too. That's the other thing I kept tra- bragging about. He's like, look, buddy, you know, it's going to be $950, but I didn't charge you for that diag. You know, also very funny that they let off with the car needs an oil change. They let off well, yeah, oil change. I'll be thirty nine ninety nine, and then they started naming the other shit. You got an aftermarket yeah, that's, aftermarket that's the problem for right yeah aftermarket oil filter was the wildest thing that he said to me. Well, you got an aftermarket oil filter. I was like, get the fuck out! Yeah, I don't even here. know what that means. It just is because it's not the Kia brand oil filter, right? It was. They're just doing anything they can to get out of helping me with without getting a thousand bucks. Yeah, it seems that way. That's how they earned your business. That is how they earned my business. But I'm being an ass this time. You're not. I'm putting up a fuss this time. I mean, they got to deal with consumer affairs. I got a case number now. What? You you think you believe in like internal affairs from the police too? No. But it's not the the consumer affairs is a different whole company than the dealership. It's Kia Corporation of Korea, I believe. I don't know. Maybe America. I don't know. But anyway, I don't know. I'm just trying here. But uh, is your car is your podcast about cars? Cars and comrades. Yeah. So I I called in about six months ago uh, and I was arguing with you guys about uh, Miata's. And, oh, uh, they suck. So I put out my email. <laughs> Disagree, but you know. Um, but uh, I, yeah, I put out my email, and I had you know a few uh, Street Fight listeners email me, and and so we put together a podcast, and we're doing it now. We've uh, I think got four or five episodes out now. Sweet. Uh, another one coming out tonight. I'll check it out, so, hey, and yeah, I got um, I, I I'll check it out, but I gotta say this to you. I just want to say this to you. I gotta ask you a question. It's a very important question because you brought yeah, up the Miata thing. Are you my dad? 
Is this Ira Quinby <laughs> calling into the show? Because he's the no, only other person I'm I know. younger than you, so I don't think that's possible. Well, Ira's the only other, Ira Quinby's the only other motherfucker that knows that drives a Miata. No, they're you gotta watch cool cars. MX5 Cup, dude. Oh, no. There's MX5 Cup oh, racing. Yeah. It's really good. Oh, it's really, really don't good. Don't do this, man. Don't take my dad's side, Brett. I'm going to get one. Thanks for standing up for me, Brett. Don't. You people, quit taking my dad's side. So check out the Cars and Comrades (laughs) podcast. I will check it out. And uh, thank you for calling in. All right. Thanks, guys. Peace. You motherfucker. What? Of course you would take my dad's side and be like, I'm going to get a Miata. You know what? I mean, fucking lay down next to it and be longer than it. But they're fun to drive. I don't get to drive any car that's fun anymore. If I borrow my friend's car, if I borrow their rental True. cars, there's just... I haven't driven a fun car in a long time. No, you're right. None of our friends have fun cars at all. No. I mean, even our friends that have expensive cars, they suck. They're practical. Yeah, they stink. It's like, I bought an expensive car, but it's like a motherfucking Toyota or some yeah. shit. You're like, I don't give a fuck about that. Yeah. Now everybody zoom, zoom. just thinks that a fun car is a Tesla. You know what I'm saying? Unfortunately. Like, that's what everybody thinks is a fun car. Not me. When is like, I want a Tesla. That's a fun car. You know? if, if Remember when you were little and you were like, I'm going to fucking get a Lamborghini when I get rich. No. Yesterday, we went to Blendon Woods uh, to go hike and everything. And there was an 84 Supra on the freeway. And I drove up as fast as I could right next to it and was like staring at it. And Erica was like, what are you doing? You're acting like a kid right now. You have to watch the road. We're on the freeway. And it's like, I have to see this car because I haven't (laughs) seen this car since I was little. And this is the only time I get to see one like running on the road. Can we get? I want an old ass car. Let's look into it. Maybe we can throw in with each other and like join one of those exotic car clubs. Because there's an exotic car club in town. You can just rent the car for the weekend and just tool around in it. Yeah, I think you know, we should. Got, yeah, we got to get the foreign car library going so everyone can rent one. They got Ferraris, they got Bentleys. I mean, you can be like, well, this week I'm going to take my wife out in the Bentley. But you know the thing saying? I don't, but the thing you don't understand is like the cars to get me going is like 280ZXs and stuff. We got to get you one then. Like a RX7 oh. or like a, a fucking, yeah. If we didn't have a queue, I'd tell you the story. There's this Mormon. Doctor. A Grand National. I want to drive a fucking Buick Grand National with the turbos on it, like Dominic Toretto had in that fucking movie. Okay. All right. Let's take the call. I do like that, though. I do like that you want a Dom car. <laughs> Thanks for calling Street Fight. Who are we talking to tonight? And what's your pronouns? P nouns. How you guys doing? Great. Who's this? What's up? Uh, nothing. Hello? Who's this? Hello. Uh, this is Ben. Uh, Stoner Ben from Denver. Oh, Ben, what's uh, up? At DLO74 on uh, Twitter. Uh, formerly Ron Dickles. All right, but, uh, Ron Dickles. What's going on doing? tonight? Well, you know, um, this is my last Sunday off for a while. I've been unemployed since uh, mid-December. Just landed my... Uh, like some full time employment, so oh, it's sad, right? Because you're like, which is good because the, uh, you know, what? It's sad because you're like, mm-hmm. I don't have a job, but now right. I, I remember like times of joblessness, and then I would get oh, a yeah. job, and then that last night before I had to go to work, be yeah, like, why the fuck did I get that job, man? Damn it, you know, like well, I yeah, always I'm working two jobs this week. 
But yeah, yeah. I've never uh, gone. I've never gone. The only <laughs> time I ever went at uh, uh, cable company was the only time I ever okay. went in thinking like my life is fucking different now. Everything's changed. I have all these possibilities in the world. I feel good. And then the first day I had to ride with a guy mm -hmm. and he told me I couldn't right. smoke. Which it's like it's an employee vehicle. Who cares? You know what I mean? But he said you can't smoke, right, right. which sucked. And then the motherfucker said, Do you like yeah. country music? And at the time, I didn't really like country music. And I was like, Not really. And he was like, Well, too bad, because that's I what I really like country to. music now. Go ahead. Oh, I love country music though. <laughs> but at the time he was like, Too bad. That's okay, all yeah. I listened to. And then made me listen to it all day. And he was a prick to me all day. And that's who I rode with the whole time. And it was just like this sucks. You know, and then it yeah, yeah. brought and me down like, to ah, fuck this. Yeah, but I hope your first day is good. Well, you see, tomorrow I'm working one day for a hemp uh, temporary agency. That's probably too much closer to their name, but uh, I'm doing a trimming somewhere. But then Tuesday I start the full time job at the cool dispensary oh, up the street from me. That's cool as fuck. Which is a uh, yeah, yeah, it's the one. It's the one that has the best weed, and it's also a ten-minute walk, so I don't have to spend one hundred and fourteen dollars a month for bus passes like I did all last year. Is it good money? Uh, but uh, huh? Is it good uh, money? Well, it's a minimum. It's Denver minimum wage, which is now fourteen seventy-seven. Uh, oh, the, they won't uh, give the you. They won't give anybody little, fucking fifteen. They're like, we're gonna get a fourteen ninety-nine minimum wage. Is, yeah, yeah, yeah. They yeah, just yeah, don't yeah. want to pay you that thirty-three <laughs> no. cents. That twenty three cents is like, is a, is a fuck you from the city fathers. It's like yeah, no, it's it's not. Yeah, we're not gonna do this. We're not gonna do the fifteen. I mean, everyone wants the fifteen. We'll take the fourteen seventy seven. That's what we'll take. We but didn't yeah, do yeah. this because you fought for it. We did this because we wanted it to be right. fourteen seventy seven. Can they give you a weed discount yeah, yeah. or is that like illegal? Oh no, yeah, no. Uh, that's that's part of the deal. And not only that, there's uh there's the whole magical there world of samps. Uh, in the yeah. industry, that would save me if a lot of money. A, um, if you work at a, if you work at a store, you get like people put weed in pretty much everything out here in Denver, uh, and they try and get your store to sell it, right? Right. And so what they do is they give all the bud tenders, like if they've got the cool new, yeah, concentrate the new whatever, uh, whatever the full spectrum this and that butters or isolates, uh, candy crystals. bars or all of it, all of it, dude. I got some yeah, edible. That makes sense. It's like drug wraps. Now I'm gonna ask you this because oh, yeah. I don't, I don't know if you know yet because you're not working there yet. But uh, what's your right. what's your take here on CBN? You got a take CBN, on that? I want to try it. I, I I did. I want to try it. These guys have gummies with it. When what happened? So I bought. I thought I was buying a five to one CBD, the THC uh, gummy to sleep. Ooh, it was oh, it uh -huh. was called a, a ninety nine. It was for sleeping. It was for tranquility and right, sedative yeah. effect. It's the cannabinoid that yeah yeah that's that's what they're. It's like the sleepy time. Like if you get the. Uh, the shitty disposable pens with the, it's like, it says like sleepy time tea or it's like purple and has weird light, you know, they're, uh, yeah, it had, I don't know if you guys have that much, that, that kind of, it's the, nah. the retail side of it. It's been going since 2009 out here since five years before a wreck, because 
as soon as the uh, Holder thing happened, when he was like, we're not going to mess with the dispensaries, they had they had cutesy names right away. And like, uh, <laughs> yeah, no, the even CB- with it, when it was just medical, it was. It ended up being CBN instead of CBD. It wasn't, it was THC and CBN. So I took it last night and I got to tell you the truth. It was some relaxing shit. You know, I felt like ultra relaxed. My body felt good. I'm sore all the time because I don't stretch and I walk a lot. And, uh, uh, I was feeling pretty good and I slept pretty well. Yeah. I slept pretty (laughs) well. It was, it, I don't know. It may have been, it may have been, uh, uh, what's a placebo effect. Cause I had read that CBN does that, uh-huh. but it was definitely a different, I definitely felt different than I do when I do a high CBD or, uh, or just pure THC strain. I definitely felt different. Yeah. I'm definitely interested in that because I'm, uh, I've got PTSD and recently had a big manic episode over the holidays. Uh, you know, at the end of last year or whatever, which turned into some other shit, but that's that's kind of why I was calling was just to like do the uh, the trailer, the movie trailer version of that. But yeah, CBNs especially like I did the uh, this dispensary up here has gummies that are CBN that I wanted to check out. They also have the two to one uh, gummies too. Like it's a ten. Uh, 20 gummies that are uh, 10 milligrams of CBD and five of the uh, THC. Yeah, those are, are good. I like that. I do 10 my, to one. My, yeah, yeah. I don't know. Two, two to one seems to work for me as like a, uh, like an anxiety med every day, yeah. like one, like a one a day in the morning before work. And then, you know, CBD fucking rules. After People work. will shit talk CBD yeah, yeah. all day and all night. But I'm telling you, if you're in a legal state, CBD fucking yeah, kicks yeah. ass. Like the only reason people yeah, don't like it is uh, yeah. because of the scam shit that they that they sell at the oh, fucking yeah. scam CBD stores. But if you got a high CBD strain of mm-hmm. weed at a at a dispensary, there's no way you won't love it. Uh, I mean, my wife was like saying, "Oh, I don't love CBD. I don't want CBD in my weed. It makes it so I don't get crazy." And now she's like all into one to one now. She's like, I just want one to one. That's all I want. It's the best feeling. It really is. People, CBD gets a bad rap, but uh, it's good shit. I I love it. I mean, Brett, you've gotten into it too, haven't you? Yeah, I mean, I like it. I think it has its. I think it has its use. It does. It does. It's not bullshit. I mean, yeah. Some. I mean, it's just no. Yeah, no. if you're over forty, it makes sense. Yeah. (laughs) There's lots of young people that don't. Forty (laughs) seven. Yeah, <laughs> there's young people that are like, I mean, you should do more MDMA and other stuff than CBD if you're talking about like alphabetic things to to try. Yeah, but I, I yeah, the CBD overall, even the squares I know now are into it. Like they don't do weed, but they take oh, yeah. a CBD pill at the end of the night. Yeah, it's good shit. I love oh, yeah, it. No, my mom, uh, my 65 year old mom, and uh, she's the primary caregiver for my 40, my sister who's a year younger than me. I'll be 47 this year. Uh, who's um, has autism is the low functioning, I guess, is the current correct term. But, you know, it's been she's born in 75 and both of them. You know, my mom notices a difference in just her. She's not super verbal, but she notices the difference from just like a 
I think 15 or 20 milligrams a day of yeah. CBD. You yeah. Know? Wouldn't want to mess with THC with the autism and with her not being able to sure. communicate properly. You know. I mean, there's also a place. I wish, my, I wish my mom would smoke a little weed, but that's a whole different story. Yeah, there's yeah. a place for like doing 30, gra- 30 milligrams of THC with no CBD in it. I mean, there's places yeah, for yeah. everything. You know, it's just funny that like because we have so many states where there's not any legal options that CBD is sort of looked down upon uh, 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 through most people. And it's like I'm always extolling the virtues of it. But again, also Mm -hmm. saying like every single time I take CBD, there is a there is 10 milligrams of THC in it. You know what I mean? Like I still want THC, you know. Well, yeah, and also there's like nothing wrong with just, you know, getting high. Yeah, getting high <laughs> kicks ass. It fucking rules the I earth. prefer getting high. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it makes me nervous, it but it doesn't have to be a life it doesn't have to be a lifestyle or a, you know. Yeah. Getting high normalized getting high. Yeah, getting high just fucking rules. Getting high watching TV. I watched I girled off with yep. my with my daughter and my wife last night. I was stoned as shit. We watched a girl movie and uh I had a great fucking uh-huh. time. You know, fucking in. Well, thanks for calling in, and uh, uh, congratulations on working at a dispensary. That's fucking awesome. Yeah, yeah. Let me uh, plug my uh, Twitter because that's where my GoFundMe page is. That will explain the whole like what this year has been about, including breaking my sternum. Do it uh, with with a, a, a kung fu guy. Uh, okay. Don't, don't always, uh, re- sometimes resist the urge to fight back because sometimes the dude will punch you right in the chest. <laughs> but, uh, it's oh, at D E L O seven four. Uh, and, uh, uh, <laughs> sorry we guys, cut you know, off uh, there. Call, will you call us oh, back? Yeah, no. We'll put you yeah, right. We're going to put you to the We're going to put you right through. We want to hear your kung fu experience. I hear we just have calls yeah, to I, take. I can, I can put, I can write out stories and you can put them in the zine or whatever. If you want, I can do a column or something. Just send us, just send us, uh, uh no, please call yeah, in. Yeah. Get a hold of Brett and, uh, we'll get you on the air. Right. I want to hear how you got kung fu. That does sound okay. Yeah, no problem. We blew it there. No, I, I, I watch. I okay. was watching some YouTube videos of martial arts masters. Just kind of what they do is they like <laughs> just move people around. They kind of just shush them mm. and and kind of. It's like no one fights like this. No one is going to just follow you right. because you touch well, their you lower see, back. Uh, when I was at the urgent care, like the doctor was like told me, she's like, yeah, uh, um. This don't really doesn't happen. Like even in car accidents, the sternum, because that was the thing. I was in a mental hospital, slightly different thing for, for eight days. Uh, somebody got a little greedy and didn't realize I, when I told them I probably didn't have insurance, that I was probably telling the truth. Oh. And uh, I was committed for an extra five days involuntarily. But yeah, yeah, it's a whole, it's a whole thing. Yeah. Please but, call uh, back. The, 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 oh, yeah, yeah. Will do. Have a good night for it. I'll but, look there's uh, a yeah. CBN. CBN. Hey, he helped us out with CBN. Uh, CB anything is great with me. Yeah, yeah. I gotta get you. I, I'll, I'll get you some of that CBN. I'm, you know, I gotta say, I'm not into the nerdy aspect of weed. We also need to get some Delta Eight just to try it. Okay. Have you heard of the Delta Eight? I've 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 heard that name said. So it gets you high, but you can sell it at stores and shit because it's not technically illegal. Okay. Because it's not THC. And well, it apparently works. Like it gets you stoned. There's a place downtown. Let's do a Delta 8 app. 
Yeah, oh, I there's will, a place I, downtown that sells Delta Eight. I'll abstain all day and, and do a Delta. Yeah, 8 I walked by the play. I walk. I walk by the CBD store and they sell Delta Eight uh, down there in the short north. And I was like, oh, I just read about this, and it gets you high. And they're like selling it. You know, there's a big yeah. company out of Texas selling it. And they're like, no, it fucking gets you high. <laughs> like, there's, like uh, uh, unlike CBD, like, no, this stuff gets you high. So, I mean, I'm a pretty good baker, and uh, I've been handing out cookies and stuff in the way that, like, the older generation is into CBD. It's just incredible. I mean, immediately. Yeah. But you give them a cookie or something, and then you get a text message, like, three days later where they're like, well, what was that about? And you're like, what do you mean? What was that about? It was like, it's just weed mixed with CBD, which is like a different type of weed. And they're like, well, that, that's like nothing I've never felt before. Like I didn't have any aches or pains and like my Anxiety. inflammation, my, all of it went away. I felt comfortable. And it's like, yeah, yeah. They, they've been doing some interesting stuff with fucking weed. Recently. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Let's get this calls. All right. Thanks for calling street fight. Who are we talking to tonight? What's your pronouns? Hey, my name is Tom. Uh, my pronouns are he or him. What's up, Tom? How's it going tonight? Uh, not bad. Uh, just kind of got the Sunday scaries about going into work tomorrow. But uh, I actually have a kind of a question about a workplace situation. Okay. So I, I'm a. I think I already kind of know the answer. So maybe it's like a two part question. But like, so I'm a custodian at uh, like a public elementary school so i have i'm in a union and actually like i joined the negotiation team and our first contract negotiations are this week so like that part's awesome for the most part but like uh so i work at two buildings every night or five nights a week and i work at one building for four hours and then go to the other one for four hours and uh so i have two different head custodians and they're like kind of like a supervisor sort of not really and they're just like old ass like older than 65 fucking racist bigoted boomers they're there just, forever. like pieces of shit but yeah exactly and they'll be there forever because like they don't put their retirement is literally like the casino down the street <laughs> like that's their re- that's their retirement plan yeah. it's like winning the lottery or whatever but um so my co i work by myself at the first school and then the second school i work with another guy ostensibly um so he at least in september so because of covid they kind of changed his hours so we used to work together like 2 to 10 30 p.m and they changed his to like 11 to 7 30 and like this dude this dude sucks this dude's like the worst at his job like doesn't even do his job like just passes out drunk in his car like he didn't even apply for the job the superintendent's secretary is his mom and applied for him and he showed up and didn't know what the job was what? or whatever this guy and he's like he's a piece of he's like a piece of shit he's like awful and like even kind of talking to him or whatever he's just like a total garbage like all lives matter type person like whatever like he's a fine like work friend person to talk to just because he's not like 67 years old like i can relate to him i'm like interacting with him but like the the issue is that like i guess the issue is that um so like since at least september he's been so we you can clock in on your phone like there's like a mobile like time clock app for our work and, like, for some reason, I guess buildings have this thing called a geofence where, like, if you're not within the GPS mm-hmm. coordinates, like, you can't clock in or out. And it's a fucking pain in the ass for me because I'm, like, trying to find a corner in the building for it to work. But for whatever reason, his phone app doesn't do that. So he just goes home, like, sometimes even, like, three and a half hours oh, no. early and then, like, clocks it at, like, the right time or whatever, which is fine. And, like, this is why I said I think 
I already know kind of the answer to your question. Like, I'm not going to fucking rat out a dude for that. Like, I would never rat out a dude for that because that's awesome. Like, fuck it. Like, if you're not getting caught or whatever, great. But, like, I worked my first four hours at this building where my, my supervisor guy is, like, an absolute piece of shit to me. Like, he treats me like shit. And, like, I look across the parking lot and I see my coworker, like, fucking driving away. And then every night when I get over there, I have to do all the work he doesn't do because he cuts out three hours early. Yeah. So, like, I guess... I guess I kind of got like a two part question, like, A, do I snitch him out? And like, I, I basically think you're going to say no because I'll never snitch on a coworker. But like, B, how do I just be okay with it? <laughs> I don't <laughs> how know. Do I, just fucking deal with it? I can tell you a quick story. When I was, when I, I, I was a trainer for a period of time at, when I was a cable guy. And, uh, this guy I went to high school with got a job there. And I don't know if he like requested it. Or if it just was a total coincidence, but they made him my trainee. And uh, what he what would happen is every day, because I'm afraid of confrontation. I'm not a confrontational guy. Uh, Same here. Yeah, big time. Every day. I will drive down and beat up your Kia mechanic, though. Oh, thank you. <laughs> I might take I'm, you up I'm on that. So it would take a few hours, but uh, I'll definitely do it. So give so, me power of attorney. So um, <laughs> I wish I could give I'm somebody a, else. I'm his advisor. <laughs> yeah, I want to do that. So, so like this guy, I would, I, he would come in in the morning and, uh, uh, me and him would get the work orders and I would grab them and then we'd get in the car and he'd be like, Hey, man, you know, I got a softball tournament tonight. Can you just take me home and say that I, I worked the whole day? And I did it every single fucking time. The guy, they were giving me work thinking I had somebody tooling around with me. And also the amount yeah. of trouble I would have, the shit I would have taken if That's, my supervisor was like, hey, I, I'm going to come and take a look at, at how you, yeah. how the trainees doing. Yeah. If that happened, I would get probably Fine. in trouble yeah. because That's, I fucking did. That's kind of like, that's like a little more depth to like what is going on here where like, Right around when this started happening, so I'd say like October, my the head his head custodian, who's also my supervisor, was like told me this story about an old maintenance guy who like a bunch of the other like fucking pro Trump union members that are all in their seventies like snitched out this dude for like defrauding his time card, which all of these old boomers did forever, and they're always looking for a way to do it, and they're pissed about having to use like a computer to clock in because they're mm -hmm. like, I don't know how to PDF, like they don't right. teach cursive anymore, but like he tells me the story about this and then he's like you never snitch on a coworker." and i'm like in my head i'm like is he fucking telling you not to snitch on ziggy because like he knows too and then like i mentioned i talk about it i talked about it at, like my union rep and he's like they've got to know there's no way they don't know like other teachers are walking up to me and they talk about how they know what's going on so they're like like the principal has to know and like the superintendent's office has to know everybody's so afraid like, of confrontation like it's all um, it's a bunch of people afraid of confrontation well and and here's what i was like and if in that circumstance how desperately do you want to keep this position i'd like to i'd like to retire doing this job yeah i'd like to retire okay i mean if so it, my union rep did say if anybody comes to you and asks you any question about it say, I have no idea and call me and we'll get the lawyer because it's not your fault and it's not your responsibility to be checking on on the street. That's their job. Here's so he's made it really clear that like, I'll probably be, I probably won't get in trouble maybe, but I'll definitely get a lot of heat 
and like they'll probably go out of their way to try to find a reason to cause sure. trouble and like whatever. For sure, yeah. Here, here's the thing, man. I, I mean, I don't believe so- in solidarity to the point where you suffer. Like, I, I don't think that I'm not. I'm not going to let someone be not do the fucking work. I feel like we're in this together. Or make you we, do. The we're work. in a union. Like we sweep the fucking floors together. I don't do your work because it would be cool for me to cover for you. Um. I guess if you don't, don't want, even, don't even if you don't want to make a big thing about it, yeah, I bet you he thinks about it as like I'm getting, I'm getting over. I don't think he what, thinks he's getting over yeah. on. He it's thinks he's getting over on the school. on the job. Yeah, yeah. What I would say is, I, I mean, at, I would just go for something in a, a more gray area because when I worked at jobs and we wanted to go to a concert. I would clock out halfway through my shift and go to a concert. But when the other people wanted to go to a concert, like instead of them, what we did, instead of clocking out, we would clock them out at the end of the night. We would all pretend that we worked a shift together. So I would approach him and say, I know what you've been doing. I have a softball game. I'm in a softball league. You what? I had tried to talk to him and just been, I had tried to talk to him and just be like, dude, you're putting me in a really bad spot. Like you're, the dude like passes out drunk in his car, like shit like that. I'm like, I have to do your work. Like in stupid shit, like the flags have to come down on Friday night. Yeah. And like one of the principals in the city, in the town is like her son died in Afghanistan or whatever, like fighting for oil. So she has to drive around in her car and make sure all the flags are down to respect him. And like, he won't even fucking do that. So I have to go out and fucking do it. And like, I already hate doing it. So, like, I think I've turned it into kind of like a personal, emotional thing because I want to avoid confrontation. So I've, like, internalized it. Don't. You know what? Fuck that guy, man. Fuck that guy. He needs something else besides a job. He's not willing to accept the responsibility of a job. It might be unpopular for our show, but we all have a certain amount of responsibility that we have to do every single day. If we want to build the future that we want, we need people that are willing to chip in when the floors need fucking clean. If you can't function enough to show up to do the job, I mean, you're not worthwhile around here you know i i'd love to see something else play out for you but i don't want to work with somebody that doesn't do their job yeah it it maybe is maybe it is a i think i can see another way through here i think i see another way out of this maybe that you know again it's probably not gonna be popular with the listeners and stuff like that uh uh but it is also not getting a guy to lose his job and and what what I might do is say, hey, I'm picking up a lot of slack for this dude. You know what I mean? Like, you don't have to and tell him that he's leaving. Into it? Well, you because you, you don't have to tell him he's leaving, but he could probably end up keeping his job because they would probably call him into the office. So his, his, his principal has already come up to me and said, like, keep this between us. But if you want, like, keep in mind that like considering a head, if you're considering a head custodian position, I know like my head custodian and Ziggy aren't like doing a good job. So if you go do like, because like the staff are complaining about the bathrooms, cause there's literally the, the doo-doo toilet is literally covered in doo-doo every day. Like the guy won't even change the sanitary napkin boxes in like the bathroom. So like they're overflowing with like fucking bloody fucking tampons and shit every day. And enough so that like the staff is complaining and the principal, instead of going to his custodian and this other employee of his is like, Hey, I know you have a good work ethic. 
So can you take care of this for me? And in my head, I'm like, does he know the guy's fucking leaving three hours early every day? He, <laughs> yeah, he I agree I with you. I think he does. I think that would put you in a that that does. I just think that like saying, "Hey, is there a more equitable distribution of labor that we could have here?" Because I feel like I'm doing extra, and you know, maybe even phrase it like, "I don't have time to get everything done." And then you you're don't a fucking, even you're you, a doormat if you try to if you try to reason with that guy. He's a fucking asshole. I'm not talking yeah. about reasoning with him. Yeah. I'm talking no, but, about explaining your position. Think, but I do think. But I do think if I try to explain my position to my principal, he's already using me like a doormat too because the <sighs> bar is so low and he's not going to his – like my supervisor, he's not going to that guy to be like, you need to get your people in line because that guy's going to retire in a year and it's like literally taking naps every day. And he's Shit. like, hey, you, because like you might want to try to like retire on this job, like – I mean, I'm being like cynical or negative about it. He didn't phrase it that way. And he's like, he's a good boss. He's like a decent boss. And I don't think he's trying to pull one over on me, but like, it's still super unprofessional and like inappropriate to be like, Hey, can you do this extra work that like my guy that I pay $5 more an hour, but like, I always give his yearly performance review increase. Like, can you do his work? For it him? sounds like, like everybody, like, it sounds like everybody's in a situation with this guy too. Maybe it is like, People are afraid to confront him because he's got people in the superintendent's office or 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 something like that. It just, everybody's that is, drinking, that buddy. Is, that is definitely a part of it. That is definitely a part of it, I think. But like Fuck. that's not even my that's not even like a fucking thing I need to be worrying about. Like I'm just stressed out every day because I like have one guy breathing down my neck for four hours and see and then just I have to go into this other building and be like, well, fuck here. Now, not only there's like two separate standards because I split my shifts. Like I have to bust my ass at this one place. They call it the country club. It's like the school where all like the fucking wealthiest <laughs> people in this like dying mill towns kids go or whatever. I guess they're kids kids now. And then I like look across the building, look across the fucking football field or whatever. And it's like, well, I got to go in there. And then like I have to do like three times the work. And like, I probably won't even get in trouble if I don't do it. That's the thing is I think everything would be fine if I was just like, no, I'm just, I'm going to take a nap and get drunk. I'm going to go to, I'm going to get drunk. I'm going to get drunk with the, but you would get in trouble though. You're what it is, is, is that you've got it. You've got the place up to the minimum acceptable rate. And if you lay off, it'll be under the minimum acceptable rate. That's the thing. And your union rep instead of like, yeah, and your union rep is I mean that it seems like something like it's weird, man, but it feels my, like my something union rep is, my union rep does the same supervisor job. He's a he's the head custodian of another building and he's made it really clear. He's like, it's fucked up and it's bullshit. Like that's not how it's supposed to work. But like they need basically my my principal needs to do documentation about something, basically like Yeah saying I'm doing a bad job, bad job. And then I would have to file a grievance and that's when the union would get involved. My union rep, it's not like fucking Jimmy Hoffa and like we're fucking digging up bodies in Chicago to get votes for like Lyndon Johnson or something. It's like, no, we need to like wait until you have an actionable grievance before we can get involved. But like, I support you completely. That's actually was my thinking. That was honestly what I was thinking to get out of it is just be truthful. I think you should not do things up to snuff and say, why well, I can only get a third of the bathrooms done. And they're like, why? And it's like, well, the, the other employee wasn't there. And it's like, why weren't they there? And it's like, I don't know. They just weren't there. I, I just, know. I, I really needed somebody I just, else to like, do I this go thing. Into work, 
I go into work like so there was we actually are doing pretty good for our, like our school district as far as COVID goes. Like we've been in person the whole time. And then, like, they closed down schools for, like, a week or two if there's, like, confirmed cases. So we finally had a confirmed case at the school where this dude works. And the principal came in to, like, make all the phone calls for, like, the fucking contacts and would have seen that the dude wasn't there. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Like, and he didn't say a fucking word. And this was, like, three weeks ago. And I'm like, does he fucking, does he even know and is just pretending? It's like... Because he wouldn't he have to know, but like no. he's even asked me, he's like, "What's your schedule now?" And it's like, "What? How do you not know my fucking schedule, man?" <laughs> no, the, it's not. I mean, on when it comes to coordinating things, when it comes to managing projects, it's better not to know because it's just as more problems you have to deal with. Like he's, they're dealing with tons of problems all the time that present themselves naturally. Until your problem presents itself naturally, until there's like a fucking uh, a problem at the school, uh, they aren't going to notice. They they don't want to notice. Yeah, they, they have too I've, much to deal with already. Brad that's right. I tried to get fired for nine months. That's a really good point. I tried to get fired for <laughs> nine fucking months. I did everything I could to get fired, and I ended up having to quit at a, at a job. And and like it just is one of those things where like everybody's afraid of confrontation. It's not just you, and it's not just me. Nobody wants to have a confrontation, and there are a I lot of people I'm, that I'm, can slip through the cracks. Because they are willing to have yeah. a confrontation, <laughs> and and, and I, yeah, exactly. And I don't think I don't think the street fight ethos is like you can take advantage of us. I think that we need to cooperate to take advantage of the boss. This person is not kind acting. Like the Stalin poster of like kick him out on his ass because he's a loafer or whatever, and it's like a broken machine or something like yeah. that. Like we don't need your fucking help. Yeah, yeah, we can we can do time theft if he. I mean, he's he's stealing three and a half hours of work every single day. Jesus Christ, you could do y'all could get like a, a fucking Street Fighter stream started. Well, you, you could, could get big can... on Twitch doing like tech and tag. I do wear, I do wear my Street Fighter shirt to work a lot. Actually. You too. I got one with gumball on it, and I'm like, hell yeah. You two could absolutely team up and both have three hours off at the yeah. end of the night. I think That's, is the I thing. I, I do think about that, but I also I'm not the type of person. That to do that like, i'm with you man like i'm very much like i sell my i sell my free time for eight and a half well 7.5 hours a day because I, I get a mandatory federal lunch break and like this is your time that i trade to you for money to keep a roof over my head so i'm gonna put in my effort yeah so so the other side of this is that like if you're looking for a life or position you're not going to feel empowered by doing that you're never going to feel like your life is in control or this is what you ever wanted you're just going to have to put up with what the situation deals you so this is this is going to be what the the gig is from now on is just putting up with the bullshit you know and, and if you're rewarded handsomely i mean this is a this is a good problem to have i this guess it's an interesting problem to have um but i also i also don't think that i don't believe that we should be taking advantage of each other and putting work on other people. I think we're in it together. If you're not in it together, you're not my comrade. If you're not willing to do the work with me, you're not my so comrade. Like, if you're if you're not in it with me, then like I don't need to be in it with you either. Right. Essentially. Yeah. Yeah. I, we can scam like this that. place. We can steal. We can sell the shit on eBay that we take after hours. We I can have done that at jobs before. <laughs> clock each other out. Like you said, if someone wants to go fucking go on a Tinder date and they need three hours off, clock them out. Clock them out three hours I'll later than when on they that left. Clock for you. Yeah. That's a back and forth. That's a relationship. This is a one-sided thing where where this person has found out that they can take advantage of you because you don't want to be uncomfortable, and, and they're totally using it against you. 
so kind of going with to going with to you said about um nobody wants confrontation like and obviously if you're avoiding confrontation for so long it builds up kind of like pent up ammunition like one of my concerns is like if i go to if i go to a higher up about this now am i going to be in trouble because i waited so long to fucking say something no. you know what i mean like, it's like no because you don't have yeah. to tell you because you don't have to tell him that he's breaking actual rules yeah I you don't have to say he's getting drunk at work all yeah. you have to say is that like he's not carrying his weight. Yeah, 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 I, yeah. I wouldn't, I wouldn't volunteer any information at all. I would just do an unsatisfactory job and say I didn't have any help. And they would say they'll say why didn't you have any help? And it's like, oh well, my coworker wasn't available to to do the restrooms at that time. And eventually they're going to have to investigate why your coworker wasn't able to do the restrooms. Yeah, because I mean you don't have to volunteer any information. I wouldn't. To yeah, because yeah. that is snitching, I guess. But like, it's really more let them figure it out. Let them let them figure out what's going on. And again, like I said, hopefully, if they figure out what's going on, they could just be like, "Hey, dude, you can't leave three hours in, and you can't come in drunk." And then he, I, he helps you. Like, if they found out about it they like actually will literally be like, give me your keys or we're pressing charges for like felony theft for like all of these hours stolen. Yeah. Cause I guess this kind of shit has happened before. Like, yeah, yeah and that's, the, that's not real though. That doesn't happen. Yeah. And you'll, don't, you, don't like I said, too just much. The, they, it, it could just end up being a coaching thing where they end yep. up, they just end up we're getting watching everything you. back together. You're not getting somebody fired necessarily. It doesn't You're just getting have to eyes be on way. them. Just get yeah. some fucking eyes on them. Cause you deserve, you deserve somebody to, to help you get the work done. You deserve that. That's kind of like, that's been my attitude the whole time is that like, Hey, like this is, they staff this building for this certain number of hours because that's how much work needs to be done. And like, if there's less people staffed for it, and I guess I, I guess what you're saying, then less of the work gets done. Whereas I was like, all the work has to get done, but now there's less people. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, call us back and keep us posted on this. I, I'm very interested in how this plays out. Yeah, of course. All yeah. right. Well, thanks a lot, guys. Sorry I took so much of your time. I no know problem. Not a problem. People in the queue. Have a good night. Also, my promise was serious. I will drive down to that mechanic and beat the shit out of him. Thank, <laughs> Thank you. I, I might take you take out. Care, take care. <laughs> no, that was, a, I mean, that was a great call because that is like, where do you draw the line? And um, I don't think there's a perfect, we don't live in a perfect world. But I don't think I should put up with somebody's shit. You no. know, I, I don't think that's like a, I don't think that's a part of what we do. Uh, I want people to do better. I want to like extend myself to to help people become, uh, you know, more calm, more stable, more comrade. I mean, like I said, it's like we do this job. To, let's let's get together on some thievery. Right. Like we both work here. We both know they want us to do three hours of work and we have to pretend it takes seven hours. Can me and you split two hours every other Wednesday? Right. Can I duck out on a Wednesday and then you do it the next week? Can we trade this time back and forth? That's the thing to do. There's no reason that you should be pretending. I, I don't believe that you should be pretending that somebody else is doing their job if it fucking hurts you. I, I really don't. Yeah. Sorry. Let's get out of here. That's the show. That's Street Fighter right. Radio. Brian's done. Well, I'm I'm gonna watch a pay-per-view. Okay, I believe you. <laughs>
Uh, we'll be back on Wednesday night. If you want to watch the show on live stream, we're on twitch.tv slash Radio. We're on youtube.com slash WCRS, Facebook, and Twitter as well. We'll uh, be available on all the other social media platforms as WCRS. And then later this month, on March 25th, we're doing the next episode of Street Fight D&D, Street Fight in Rapid City. Uh, we have a great campaign that got kicked off last month. Uh, if you want to hear that or watch that, it's available on the live streaming channels on Twitch and YouTube. Uh, the audio is available on Patreon, but we're doing it again on March 25th. We're playing D&D again, and it will be good. Uh, we've had a lot of good calls tonight. I thought it was a wonderful show. Thank you to everybody that did the work and, and told us the stories. They were, they were great as always. And we'll see you on Wednesday. We're Street Fight. Peace.